Here we are. We're back. We're live. Welcome to the post-episode recaps. This is Game of Thrones Season 4, Episode 10, The Children, the season finale. Yes, that's right, the season finale of Game of Thrones Season 4. And it's been a really quick season. It's it's felt like it zipped right by, but tonight we got... The, the conclusion of a lot of storylines that got built up this season, the introduction of a few more. It's It was a really fun season finale. Really great episode yeah, from beginning to end. High production value. I, I can't wait to talk about this, but if this is your first time here, you can uh, please hit that subscribe button and also please use the comment section below to tell us what you thought of this episode and what you think about any of the stuff we have to say. But with me, as always, is my co-host, Joe Dirtylocks. How are you doing tonight, Joe? I'm doing very good, man. Oh. Good to be here. That episode was fantastic. I couldn't. <laughs> fantastic. Was, yeah, really liked it. I was in a, uh, I was kind of in a fog all weekend. This weekend, we went to a convention. And, uh, and then last night, we had a couple of friends that were in town that were on vacation. So I drank a lot. And I was kind of in a zombie mode all day. But then when the episode came on, immediately my heart started beating. I started getting really invested. I saw that the episode was 105 minutes. But I'll tell you, the 105 minutes zipped by. It was the way the episode was paced with the storylines jumping, jumping from a lot of different places with a lot of excitement and a lot of... It seemed like even though there were a lot of storylines, it it really could sink into a couple of the sections, like like the Brienne and uh, Brienne in the Hound fight. That that seemed like it lasted forever in the episode. It was an awesome fight. It was like a they live kind of fight between the two of them. By the end, they were just beating the it was, shit. It was crazy good. That, that was <laughs> a great fight. Amazing. And the show has never really done anything directly like that. Brienne was going nuts. But we'll talk about that later. But I. That, it's funny with everything that happened in the episodes. That's the first thing I want to talk about. I want to talk about that fight because that fight was freaking awesome. Seeing the two of them kick each other's ass. What a way it was, to it was crazy good. What a way to go out for the hound. Great beaten by a woman. Perfect. But but before we get into the episode, of course, the headline of this episode is Tyrion. Tyrion finding Shay in bed in Tywin's bed and. <laughs> And shooting, yes, that's right, with a bow and arrow, bam, shooting Tywin right in the right, right near the balls. Maybe not in the balls, but close to the balls. Did you think that was the big, big moment? I liked the Brian moment better. I hadn't eaten all day, and I just got a cheeseburger delivered, so <laughs> <laughs> I had to force down the tears along with the uh, cheeseburger. Yeah, he so. wasn't. You weren't sure if it was the indigestion or the scene that was causing you a little bit of a. Uh... Vaclempness, <laughs> but but let's get right into it because this was an action-packed episode. And again, if you have anything to say along the way, please comment away in the and we'll try to get to your comments by the end of this show at, at the end. And if uh, we don't get to you during the show, we'll we'll definitely respond to the comments throughout the week. We want to extend this season of Game of Thrones as long as possible. It may have ended right now, but if we can keep talking about this episode and talking about this season. Uh, we can try to make the time between now and then not seem quite as lo- quite as long between when we're back. So tonight was an action-packed episode. Like we said, we had Bran. We had uh, oh yeah, there was the Bran stuff tonight too that we have to get to. That was that was a huge oh, part of the episode can we too. About the Bran stuff, can I just pretend the Bran stuff didn't happen? <laughs> I was I was all set with this episode being so great without the Bran stuff, but. Uh. Uh, well, 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 we'll get to that in a second here. Um, I I don't know if uh if it was just briefly, but your cam if you meant to do it, but your camera's currently off. Just to let you know, we uh we start out with uh John walking 
in, through the snow to go see Mance Raider, basically right where we left off in the last episode. Yeah, it was a good moment, and it was it was also a pretty. We we got a very good another good visual. I don't know if it was remnants from when they were shooting from last week, but we got a really great perspective of the other side of the wall. There was a couple of moments in this episode when we got that perspective when uh, when John was taking the body out there and after the fact, and uh, at this point when he's going to see uh, to see Mance. It, it's visually it was really beautiful stuff that was going on. So John's walking to to see Mance and he's going through the rubble. We uh we see a few crows eating a fallen man, which as as we've seen when we ever see we, we see birds or crows it symbolizes the death and we see them uh chirping away in a guy as John walks further through the fog. Some guys sneak up behind him and he gives his hands oh, up. I think that wasn't a guy that was a giant. That was the other giant. Oh that was the that was the other giant. And but what was interesting here is is uh Mance played played dumb a little bit. He said, Oh, you're wearing black. What what's going on like that? Like he could have acted like like John like he expected John to go in there pretending to still be on his side. I think he was just saying, Oh, so you're in black, so you're not coming here trying to pretend like you were with the other force and you were one of the survivors or something. And he says, I'm here to negotiate. And uh, they go inside to talk. And this is where we get a... That would have been kind of hard to also uh, float by with him just walking out of the tunnel like he did. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. And and I feel like we've... Uh, we haven't really got to know... that. I feel like I don't really know Mance Raider that well. So seeing him... In the, this was probably some of the most character development we've got from Mance since... Since... The beginning of season three, we we got we got some we got some mans tonight, especially to straight out start off. Uh, they they start drinking. Man says, I guess he was wrong wrong about him, and he kind of rubs it in about Egret getting killed. And he talks about her dying, asks him if he really loved her, and then he sits down and has a drink with him. They have a drink. They toast to the fallen comrade, and uh, it, they take it. In. John thinks it's gonna be uh, wine, but it's really booze, and he has the uh, Roger Rabbit moment. <laughs> That's some strong stuff. And then Mance tells him, speaking of Joe was saying about the giants, he says, your men killed the giant, killed one of the giants. This was a king. This was a man. Giant that got, one of the giants got into the tunnel and never came out. Right. And, and he, and John says he's dead. And then, and this was a, I thought this was a really awesome moment because John is cold calculating in this scene he i wouldn't want to play poker with john snow in this scene he would he just had so much concept the way he was just looking at mance playing him in the scene and mance is like well oh the giant's dead that was a king that was associated blah 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 with the first men last of a thousand ten thousand year old bloodline or something like that and then children of the of the forest or something and then the first men are and John's response is, yeah, it killed my friend Gren. He was born on a farm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter where, where he came from or what his line was. You know, he wasn't the only one that died. There's plenty more who died than just him. Exactly. It's not, it's the nature of this beast that it's a war. It doesn't matter when, exactly. It doesn't matter if you've been around for thousands of millions of years. If you're in a battle and you can die and you get killed, you're just as expendable as the everyday man that's, fighting in this war so john is surrounded by foes as mance says are you here to strike a bargain and and john kind of starts talk talking the talk trying to keep the ruse up that he has a thousand men and mance is like no way i know you don't have a thousand men you have like 50 left 
You said we sent the toughest wave of soldiers we have. We killed like half your men. We have we have a war people warging into into animals that can look in there and see you have 50 guys, dude. You you're you overplayed your hand and we caught you in it. And and John starts to kind of look to pull out a knife and go for a little quick uh quick stab and one of Mance's men's kind of approach and man says stop he goes there's you know, like six people in the room that are that all like draw down yeah they all, they all kind of pull out and then man's gives them the old <laughs> well you can get you can get to me but then you're gonna die but i guess you knew that already come on i offered you peace you're gonna be the guy that stabs a guy that offers you offers you peace because because his deal is listen you you know and I know that the real problem is winter's coming and we're all a bunch of, we're a bunch about to get fucked here by the real dangers in the north. And all we want, we don't want to conquer. All we want to do is hide behind your giant magic wall. Could you please let us behind the giant? And to be completely honest, I kind of believe Mance because he knows the shit that's out there and 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 it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I think I don't know if John would have tried to go with that deal because he kind of seems like he might be into allowing this, but right at the moment where we get to the point where we get to see what John's perspective of this would be, bump, 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 we hear the horn. And who is it? Who could it be? We see we see lots of knights and soldiers. Who Who is it, Joe? Who could it be? It is none other than... Well, everybody's confused. Vance doesn't know. John doesn't know. Nobody knows. Everybody's like, huh? Most of the people watching don't know. And and I gotta say, this is one of the things that they did really well this season by keeping Stannis out of showing Stannis just enough. I gotta give the season a lot of props for the way they set it up to the to the point where they mentioned this. If you paid close attention, you would know that they were heading to the north, and it would make perfect sense who this was. But he was an out of sight, out of mind, and he just shows up, and the horns blow, and it's Stannis, the true king of Westeros. Dun, 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 dun. The army rolls in. They overwhelm the wildlings. The horse riders, uh, they're, they're just real warriors. They come in. They start just killing everybody as Mance is surrounded. And a really funny kind of comedic moment happens at this point where where Stannis gets off Stannis and Davos get off their horses and they start to walk towards where Jon and Mance are standing and this crazy wildling that thinks he's going to end the whole thing by killing uh Stannis goes blah blah blah, blah I'm going to kill you Tasmanian devil and he goes to swing his axe and then just one of hor- Stannis's horsemen just zip by and just kill the guy just like oh dead it just, it it played very com- could even Yeah you almost expected there to be a little bit of a a uh, comedic sound effect at that point. Doing. <laughs> would have been hilarious. I mean, the, the, just the sound of the armor alone was kind of a comedian's uh, the sound effect they needed. The thrum, thrum, thrum. <laughs> I love that moment. I, I I seriously laughed out loud. I was like, that, that's hilarious. He was at full gallop too, which like <laughs> yeah, he dude, you was riding for a while. Like, was he like? Not paying attention. He almost ran over the king, for Christ's sake. <laughs> He's like, fuck it. I'm coming after that guy. And, and that other crazy guy. I mean, did he really think he was going to be able to get to get to him right there? I mean, did he really think he was just going to end it all? He didn't know who he was messing with. So speaking of not knowing who he's messing with, uh, Davos gets into his hole. This is Stannis. You have to show him respect. And the army rolls in as they overwhelm them. And Mace is surrounded by the ruler Stannis Baratheon, and he says, "Are you the uh, are you the king of 
of the north are you the king beyond the wall excuse me not the king of the north the king beyond the wall and Mance is like who the fuck are you i've never heard of you before and he's like i'm stannis king of westeros well who who gives a crap this isn't westeros you know this ain't westeros here this ain't the seven kingdoms here motherfucker <laughs> and uh man surrenders but but uh but stannis wants him to kneel before zod you need oh, yeah. to his, his swords are down he's he surrenders he doesn't want anybody yeah he doesn't want anyone to die he didn't want any of the wildlings to die he didn't want that's, that's what, what this is about to him that's why joe i really i don't think there's any deception on mance's part i think mance really just wants protection from the forces of the north i uh of uh of from from the, the winter's wall. coming he yeah said he said, we death is coming for every single one of us all we want to do is get beyond the wall if you let us through that tunnel nobody's going to get hurt john snow yeah. that's what that's what the deal was that he was offering john before that trumpet sounded he just wanted through the wall i won't kill any more people any more black i won't kill any more no, no more war just let me through and honestly it, that would be probably the smartest bet they could do because they need all the help they can get against right. against those forces we I mean, it might have been a while but we saw that army coming we know what they look like and they're dangerous so, uh, so yes, you're the king beyond the wall, and who are you? You're not in the Seven Kingdoms, blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, Stannis says, as we said, he's not here to slaughter beaten dogs. Their fate depend on how you handle this, Mace. Kneel before Zod. And, and Stannis is... You gotta, and you got to believe there's a certain part of him that will kill every single wildling if you, if you think about, you know, the Onion Knight's fingers right there, just because, you know, the king of the north beyond the wall there won't surrender and you get we really think that stannis would do something like that yeah stannis doesn't give a fuck he he probably doesn't even look at these people these these creatures as people you know he just looks they're wildlings you know they're who we've been part of what they've been protecting this whole time yeah free folk free to die by my hand because i'm the fucking king bitch i mean that's how (laughs) that's how stannis feels really balls bitch (laughs) Bitch, suck my yeah, suck my Baratheon balls, bitch. <laughs> so, uh, so, but, but basically, he wants him to bow here. But it's it that it, it it's just a lead up so we can get our introduction with Jon Snow and uh, and and Stannis here, and uh, and he says he says uh, stand or. Jon Snow kind of approaches uh, Stannis and kind of yells at him or c- comes at him a little bit. And Davos does his, don't talk to my king that way. Do you realize who this man is? Do you realize uh, what he, you know, what, what he supports? He's the king. And Jon goes, no, I know. My father died to support him. And uh, my father was Ned Stark. I, you know, I'm, I am the, the bastard son of Winterfell and yada, yada, yada. And he said, Mance could have killed me or tortured me, but he kept me alive. And uh, was this man's prisoner once, yep. And uh, Mance asks him, uh, or excuse me, Stannis asks asks him, uh, "What do you think your father would do with this prisoner?" And he says, "Well, I he knows he... exactly what his father would do. He was there with him when that in season one, when that guy ran away from the from the wall when he saw the others, he the the, the White Walkers. He just completely just vanished, ran away, got caught by Ned Stark's men, and he took all his sons up to show exactly what you do with them. He listened to his last words, then cut his head off. Yep. So yeah, Stannis, take him prisoner." Listen to what he has to say. Get Jack. You know, didn't tell him part two of what Ned would do. Just part one. Take a prisoner and listen to what he has to say. Yeah. Part two is cut his fucking head off. He deserted the wall. Yeah. Part... He used to be a crow. 
Part one is get Jack Bauer in there. He's a friend of the family to do some, uh, do a little bit of torture and figure it out and figure out what the man knows and then chop his head off Ned Stark style. That's that's the way the Starks, that's the way Jon Snow's going to roll. Because Jon Snow, he is a little bit, I'm not going to say smarter. He's just seen the things that have happened over the few years. He's smart enough to know he shouldn't just chop the guy's head off. He should find out and listen to everything he knows first and then chop his head off, then burn him. <laughs> Torture him first and, and kill him. And Jon Snow has one uh, last piece of piece of advice to uh, Stannis. He goes, if my dad saw what I saw out here, you know what he would do? He would burn all the bodies before nightfall. I mean, all of them. And, uh, Stannis agrees. Stannis agrees. Even though he, even though what's funny to me is, uh, and we'll get to it a little bit later when, uh, when they're burning all the bodies later, Stannis has sort of a smug, like he doesn't believe in it kind of look. Considering the things he's he's seen from the Lord of Light, you would think believe in it. The the White Walker stuff. If I had seen all the stuff Melisandre has done, you haven't seen any of it. He, and he as ha- far as you're concerned, you think that the Red Priestess is bullshit for the most part. You think Stannis thinks she's bullshit? I don't think... Well, it, he, not that she's bullshit, but that it doesn't. none of it really matters to him as long as he gets what he wants. It's not that it's bullshit, but it's still just kind of hokey. It's still just another religion. Fair enough. I, I just, I guess he would, I would think that he would understand that there are bigger forces out there because of some of the things that he's been able to see. Or some of the stories that he's heard. I mean, you got to think that even the stories of the dragons have made their way to uh, to Stannis at this point, too. So he knows that that stuff's out there and just have the possibility to think that these crazy creatures could be real. But you're, but you're right. And But I think you, I actually do think you're right. I think Stannis looks at it all as hooey. He goes, oh, it doesn't matter. It's hooey. So, not, soldiers are better. As long as I have soldiers, all your silly magic and parlor tricks, the guy who has the men, I'm, I control the armies, I'm the man, I'm the rightful king, or honor, yada, yada. I think that's number one for Stannis. But you would also think that he has to somewhat buy into the shit that the Red Priestess can do. Look what she did to Renly, and he actually saw that. He saw the black smoke monster or whatever the hell that thing was. And some he of the... Didn't, he didn't see... He didn't see it? No, because uh, he had sex with her. Then she went on like a boat trip with the Onion Knight to some weird gate and underneath at some port. And then it, she gave birth to it there. And then it traveled to the tent. <laughs> Stannis wasn't in the tent. That was just Brienne and Kate oh, and and, and uh, what's her? And Marjorie was there too, I think. Marjorie? No, maybe. No, I think she. I'm pretty sure she was there because when Brienne talks to her later, they talk about how she knows that Brienne didn't kill Renly. Or no, you're right, she wasn't there because she was explaining to Marjorie how she didn't. What actually happened? Yeah, the only two that were there was just Caitlin and uh... Catelyn, Cat, Cat, Catelyn and Brienne. So after that, after this scene, we go to Pizel and we can finally let through some of the uh, some of the people that made the comments from last week that all were you know, wonderful spoiler people that were mentioning that, or I can't even say if it was a spoiler or not. This was one of those fine lines, like, is it a spoiler or is it or not? Because you could notice it in the episode. Oberon poisoned the fuck out of all of his weapons, out of his spear. He made sure that the mountain wasn't surviving. There's a reason why they call him the Red Viper Adorn. Yeah. Poisonous Snake Adorn. And all his children are named, like, uh, after poisonous snakes, too. Like, they hinted at it. They even, they even, uh, when Arya was talking to the Hound about him not being a, a, he'll never be a great killer because 
he was getting on a poison being a woman's thing for killing Joffrey. Like they they really played around it the whole time. So you should have seen that the mountain wasn't going to be doing well. But. Yeah, and you could also see in the last episode, similar to the way you could see Lady Marjorie and the wedding episode with Joffrey earlier in the season. If you watch closely, you could see her grab the bead or do some do some sleight of hand. Uh, you could actually see the spear dripping of poison at points in the Mountain and Viper episode. If you looked closely, they, when well, someone ha- when someone hands him the spear after the first one breaks, I believe you can see a little bit of poison. Now I have to watch all, that over again because I wasn't I never saw nothing like that. Yeah, I believe I, I watched I be- it twice, but I didn't scrutinize whether or not I was looking for poison. So. Right. If, I believe if you watch back now, you will see a little bit of poison. There, there is, there is a, mom, a momentary little subtle touch there. I, maybe I'm making it up. I could be, but I thought I saw it. I'd have to watch it again, too, to make sure. But I, last time I was, I was like, oh, my God, this poison right there. So uh, so we, it's Pizel, though, looking at the mountain being poisoned from the viper. He gives him, uh, he says it's time to give him the milk of the poppy. And uh, Pizel says there's no bringing the mountain back. But this other guy, forget this guy's name. If someone in the comment section can tell us, uh, the guy that ended up saving, uh, or helping Jamie get the gold hand on and helped Cersei through some of her problems, the one that uh, got kicked out for doing experiments on humans and stuff. Uh, he says he can help the mountain. He knows what he needs to do. That it's a very harsh kind of poison, but he's got he's got something he can do. But it will change him. But he can make him back. And Cersei goes. You know what? Get it done. Pizel's like, wait a minute. You can't do it. This is horrible. This is why he got kicked out of the maesters. He's not a grand maester. You can't do it. You can't do it. This is my office. Cersei goes, get the hell out of here. <laughs> my laboratory. Yeah. Not anymore. Cersei was, this was the happiest we've ever seen Cersei in this episode. She was on cloud freaking nine dancing. Dan- like no, she-, she wasn't happy. She was, she's, she's a scared for her life. She's in like, I don't know. I don't, know. I, I don't think she's happy. I think she's, she's, uh. She's not satisfied yet. There's a lot more than just simple happiness for her going on. I, I agree. I agree with you. But I also think she's taking a moment from her madness for a second to have the elation of the fact that her little shit brother is going to die tomorrow. And she's dancing around a little bit on cloud nine to the fact of what what comes up later, like the her having the balls to tell Tywin off. Coming up here in a second, she's feeling very high on the horse right now. And I think that's why she wants the mountain on her side. Because she's like, if I have the mountain on my side, if he's alive and he's kicking ass, I'm unstoppable. Because now I have the toughest guy in all the Seven Kingdoms that... Oh, right, yeah. She, that's right. The guy says, she asked the guy, will he lose any? Will he lose strength if you keep him alive? Right. The guy says, no. No, he'll, he'll just Straight change. Up, no. But will he be changed like Drago? Like Drago was tra- changed. Well, like I think Drago lost some strength. Uh, yeah, he did. Maybe. I mean, maybe he just lost mental strength. That strength. I mean, if you can't walk, if you can't. Yeah, we've all seen. We've um, all seen. We've all seen me try to catch a football. <laughs> right. we, we all know what happens when Mister Uncoordinated here. You ever see the Goofy cartoons? That's me uh, dealing with uh, my my lack of uh, lack of touch. So, uh, but. Cersei is really excited here, and she kicks kicks uh, Pizel. She hates Pizel. I think that's the one thing all the Lannister kids can agree on. The f- one thing that uh, Tyrion and Cersei can agree on, at least, that they both hate the fuck out of Pizel, and they're like, and she just can't. It's so happy to kick him the hell out of it there. And she says, "Do what you needs to be done, even though it will change him as long as, as Joe said, as long as he keeps his strength." So he starts the experiments, and it looks like similar experiments to what he probably did get kicked out on. But you know, we we need the mountain. <laughs> so here we go into the scene we were just talking about with Tywin and Cersei. 
Now, she is arguing that she will not marry Loris. Uh, no way. And and Tywin's just trying to break it down to her. Listen, Jamie can't can't further the family line. You need to do it. You need to get married. Uh, Tyrion's going to die tomorrow. And she's like, no. Listen, no, I'm staying in King's Landing. And, T- and Tywin starts to tell her a story, one of the old Tywin stories. Back when I was young and I didn't take you off to somewhere. And uh, Tywin, and she stops. She goes, I don't want to hear your stupid story, Tywin. I don't want to hear your old daddy, whatever kind of crap story. What I, I, about, but you remember in Blackwater? You remember? I was going to poison Tom and I was going to kill. And now my daughter's off in Dorne. Uh, Joffrey's dead. And all I have is Tommen. And... And you're going to take him away. You're sending me off to marry Loris in Highgarden. And you and Marjorie are just going to take him and make him your little puppet toy. And where am I? I'm off with no sons having to be married to a, uh, a guy that would much rather be with my brother than me. And what am I going to do? It's, I'm in a horrible... There's what nothing she can do. There's nothing she can do. And... And she and he's like and she's just like no you're not going he goes you won't be the first woman that married that was married without uh that was- so imagine imagine the biggest favor in the world that Tyrion just did for his sister by- <sighs> yeah I don't it- want to say it we haven't gotten there <laughs> oh did you say you already said it didn't you what yeah oh yeah I did I did you opened it with it. Oh. I did. I already opened it. I opened with it happening. But but seriously, right, but in a sense, he did. Tyrion, Tyrion really indirectly at the end of this episode helped Cersei out because there was no way she was she was getting and, and kind of seals seal. I really, no matter what he said when he stood up on the toilet, that's kind of got to be. Uh, that's a lot of it's for show. But when when it comes down to it, he can say no. You know, Tommen is going to give his uncle. Uh, the option to go take the black and instead of dying. So the, what he says when he's on the toilet could have still been true, but you know, it was probably just trying to save his own. Yeah. I think, I think at that point he was just trying to save his own skin. So at the end of all this, the big thing, the big reveal to come here is she just, she goes, you know what? It's time, you know, the truth. And he goes, what truth? And she goes, wow, you really never knew it. You really never even thought it. we were doing it you right. Were really that blind. Yeah, you're really that stupid. Come on, you know what was going on. And I say bullshit. Of course, he knew what was going on. Is he that self? I mean, he could be that self-absorbed, where he is completely blind to absolutely everything that's going on around him. And that's why he really needs the help, you know, of like Varys and Littlefinger and 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 stuff. It's tough running a kingdom, and it's tough keeping your pul- your finger on the pulse of every little detail in your family when you have to keep your eye on the detail of the entire kingdom this might be something that you were first a crazy king and then for your crazy nephew king and all that shit so out of curiosity i'm wondering if the relationship between jamie and cersei went to the next level because i know they said they've they've been together since they were children and that that's gone on their whole life did it happen was it happening before the mother died once the mother died and Tyrion was born, like, would the mother have allowed this to happen too? Or would she have been able to watch them? Is because Tyrion, because Tywin was essentially an absentee father and wasn't there to, to, to keep an eye on this and kind of overlooked it. Um, it's just, it's just a thought that I wonder if the mother hadn't died with Tyrion, if maybe she would have stopped this from ever happening. Yeah, I get the, I get the feeling like Cersei was, was a messed up little girl long before the mother died, but. Yeah, it's it's. I could be wrong. It could it could all come from that? It's it's just an interesting thought that that was going through my mind at the time to to wonder how much 
if it started before that? Did the mother know? Would the mother have told Tywin? Like, what's the... I know Tywin's a delusional fuck, but... But still, whatever. It, I, it, it's just an interesting moment. And she just breaks it right down and tells him that uh, Jamie, that she's been in love with Jamie. She, and all her kids are Jamie's and you need to know. Uh, and you know what? Tywin's having an awful Father's Day. This isn't, this isn't a good day for Tywin. It's a bad, bad Father's Day. So we go after this to Cersei and Jamie, And Jamie is like, you won one less brother. And, uh, she, and, she's, like, and she's being a little smug with it. And she says there's nothing she won't do for her family. And she and Jamie's like, well, Tyrion's your family. And she says, no, he killed my mother. That wretched little beast killed my mother. And I can kill him now, too. And Jamie, Jamie, I'm glad someone finally said this to her. Uh, Jamie calls her on her bullshit and goes, you really blame Tyrion for that? You blame him for killing? He was an infant. He had no control over what happened. And she said, do you blame a sickness when it kills you? You just cut it out of you. You know, it just you just hate That's the sickness. difference. It's a big huge difference. difference. This is a big leap that she's making. This is the crazy. This is the crazy that you said, Joe. This is this is where she takes like a simple smoke. This is where crazy people live in this moment. They take the simplest little like thing like that and they turn it into this. It's Tyrion's fault. It's all yep. Tyrion's fault. It's every dwarf in the kingdom's fault. Yeah, exactly. It's everybody it's that's my mother. Yep, they all killed my mother, Joe. They all killed my mother. Horrible. My it, mother only exists in my nightmares because you, you, because you, Tyrion. Yep, and uh, and she just gets right in Jamie's face. What do you decide? Who do you choose? Do you choose him? And she's and she kisses him, and she said, "I told father everything about us, Jamie." She doesn't just get right up into his face. She gets up into his mouth, yep. into his crotch. Jamie looks shocked and. And he's trying. He was a little shocked because the last time they had any kind of, you know, interaction in a in a closed room together, he was raping her next to her dead child. I don't want to bring up old. Th- I think again, it's that kid. I don't want to bring up. I don't want to talk about this again. But I think again, this was a this was the one problem this season had with with a misconception of how that scene was supposed. Again, I'm 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 thinking that it wasn't supposed to be a rape. But whatever, I don't want to get into that because that's going to open up a whole can of worms we don't want to talk about. So, but, but more or less, she does a similar sort of thing that Jamie did before. She pushes herself on Jamie. And I mean, he's not he's not saying no, but she pushes the issue in a similar way of like, no, we're going to do this. Dad, dad knows I don't care if anyone walks in. I told him I want to be with you. I want to love you. I'm staying here with you. I choose you. Let's do this thing for real. You know, I don't care what anybody has to say. And uh, and Jamie, in in fairness to Jamie, he's he's just asking questions like, "What exactly did you tell Dad?" <laughs> he just want, he wants to know. He wants to know exactly what happened. He doesn't feel good about what this. Exactly. Yeah. What did about you about us? Like, oh, imagine his heart sinking right there. Oh, and he's just he's just fine with that. With you staying and us playing house in the castle together this is this is okay with him yeah you, you you what do you mean exactly what do you mean exactly when you say you told him <laughs> is he okay with this uh did he did he threaten to murder me for having sex with his daughter or whatever so so they bang on the table basically <laughs> so here we go someone might hear us yeah i don't care someone hears us i don't she, care she doesn't care at all she's like let the whole kingdom watch let him snicker let him laugh who cares Mm. just do me <laughs> she needed it she was she was happy she was excited she wanted to celebrate with her lover um 
Lannister, the other Lannisters weren't available. None the all the other cousins were out de- delivering wine or uh, or doing something. So here we go to Daenerys, and uh, and we we hear from this slave. I think his name is Phanes or something. He speaks uh, the yeah, native. This is that scene. Yeah, he speaks the native tongue, and he talks about how back in the days when he was in slavery, he was a teacher that helped helped the children, helped other slaves learn how to speak, and had a lot of power, was in a good position for, for a slave. And he's there to beg her to allow him to sell himself back into slavery. Similar to the fact of... Like you watch in prison, or in pr- it's, it's a real thing, but I, I'm associating it to television. You see it, you saw it in the Shawshank Redemption with uh, Crooks, I think his name was, or something, or and you see it in a lot of uh, other prison type indentured servitude. Yeah, they get so uh, you- institutionalized. Institutionalized is the is the term, especially when you're dealing with seniors or people that have been in the system for so long that, as as this guy was saying, freedom is a young man's game. I go to these places that you set up these uh, these these soup kitchens and I get beat up and the younger people take it. And she's like, I'll bring in the unsullied to handle business. Oh no, 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 no. I don't, I just want to sell myself back into slavery. I was happy in my gig. I'm getting older. I, I just want to live out my days doing what I do best teaching. And Daenerys, <laughs> excuse me, Daenerys does what I think is some of the best governing she's done yet. She compromises and she decides that what they're going to do is Yes, you can go into a work contract with these people for a, for a maximum of one year, and it's sort of a, a work program. And uh, Barristan kind of snickers to her that it's ultimately going to be the slavery system. But, but, she, but something she said in this speech made a lot of sense. She goes, well, I, I came into these cities to, to give everybody freedom, and that's freedom to choose. Whether that's freedom to choose being a slave or that's freedom to choose to be free, they should have the right, they should have the right to choose. And right, but it's it's not exactly being sold back into servitude as much as it's uh I mean you're he's making something from this. It's not just that he's gonna be a slave again. Right. He's got it now it's that he's getting Roman board. I don't know, maybe there's some it's only for a period of it can only be for a period of a year, she says. So I mean there's this it's not for in a forever kind of thing. It's strange. It's I don't, a it's a strange. I mean, it's it's an interesting way of ter- of creating a workers' union of sorts for to allow the slave the slaves to work for their former masters. It's it's a it's a weird sort of setup, but I understand where these guys where these older guys are coming from. And he says there's like hundreds of other men or thousands of other men outside that will all be asking for the same thing. And it, but it's it's hard. It's it's a really hard thing because obviously these men should have been freed long ago, but they also do have the right because as Joe was saying, it's beneficial to them. They get room and board. They get to stay. This guy's worked his way up through the system. A lot of them, as he was saying, were all the older people that did a lot of like clerical work and not hard labor type things. So, so it's it's well, an- that's why this got to kind of have to be some sort of. Um- Someone's gonna have to think of something how people get paid, <laughs> what what's good for what wages. Yeah, a, work, a, a union. Maybe, like, maybe they should have had to like empty the banks for some of these slaves to get you know some sort of uh, reparations, so to speak. You know, like it was really not well conceived. The thing that's been working for her is that she's been taking thousands of slaves with her out of each city as she's moved along. Now she's kind of stopped in this city with her army of. Uh, with her army, 
end with all these extra slaves and now there are all these even more well freed slaves and now there are all these more free slaves in this in marine like it's really overcrowded at this point yeah and they're and they're all looking to her for answers it's a dangerous situation that she that she's putting herself into and speaking of a dangerous situation, as uh, someone approaches, this guy says he doesn't understand as they tell her to get closer. A guy's crying, and he starts, and they start translating what he says, that something came from the sky, the blacked one. Winged shadow came from the sky, and it burned, burned. Well, he's, he's stuttering on the black one because he's crying so much. He's crying he's, so much. He doesn't understand. not holding a pile of goat bones this time. Nope. And he drops it, and it is his daughter burned up. And, uh, and this cuts right immediately to a scene where Danny's asking about, uh, about the kid, and we find out that he was three years old. And he, she asks if she's seen, uh, uh, seen, seen the dragon, and no one's seen, or it's, they've seen sight of him. He's Last time, some sailors saw him, like, at the top of some mountain somewhere, off the coast somewhere. Yeah, he can't, he can't be caught. It seemed like it was kind of far away. But nobody's quite sure where the hell the dragon. And that was three days ago, so he could be anywhere. Yep. How fast does a dragon fly? <laughs> and that dragon goes anywhere it wants to go. And she says, "Come to the catacombs." And she brings the other two dragons down there. And it looks like it's going to be an interesting setup. Like she's bringing them down there, maybe to train them or do something. And no, she brought them down there to chain them up. And she chains both of them up in a really heartbreaking scene. That was played really well by the actress. Oh yeah, the music that that goes along with the oh. scene. Um, I'm sorry. For me, when these touching scenes happen in any show, it's not that the scene gets me. It's not usually the dialogue that gets me. It's usually there's this mm. kind of silence, and you hear her walking. But once the music starts, that's when my my like somewhere in the back of my throat and behind my eyes starts to like flutter, and I, the tear the waterworks just start. And if it weren't for the damn cheeseburger I had been eating, they would have they flowed. <laughs> and it gets so emotional. It gets like one of those puppy movies, like, or whatever, whichever, enter whichever dog movie is your movie that you, that you, whether it's K9, Turner and Hooch, Lassie, Old Yeller, you just get that moment where she's chaining up, chaining them up and she's walking out and she's getting ready to close the doors on them on the catacombs and, and they're both crying to her like, mommy, mommy, don't, where are you going? Where are you going? And uh, old. Not quite old yeller, not unless she was going to kill him. But. No, but still, I just mean the sadness of the pet moment. More like Michael Vick dogs, almost. Oh, come on. That, <laughs> that's bad. She's chaining them. She's treating those dragons horribly. She's training them in a dungeon with all sorts of, like, like I don't know what that food was on the ground. I couldn't quite make out what carcasses they were picking at, but. It was it was sad. They, and all, looked, they looked pretty sad, too. And their cries, oh, my God, mm -hmm. those cries. The, the sound effects for that was fantastic. It, they didn't sound like they were feeding or fighting. They sounded like they were wailing for their mom. And they were pissed off. And I agree with you in the sense that ultimately she's leaving them down to bathe in their own filth and, and beat the crap out of each other and have no, nothing but, like, She's not going to really take care of them. I mean, she can't. She can't just go down there. Those dragons are going to snap. They've The other one already snapped at her. And those two are going to totally snap at her once that she isn't down there for a couple of days. They're yeah, not going to keep something for long enough. And it forgets that. It forgets who it loves and what it loves. And it becomes more even. I mean, we're talking about beasts and animal to begin with. A wild dragon. I mean, how much more wild is it going to get? But, mm. you know, it already would kill every human if it weren't for Daenerys. 
So we go back from here to saying goodbye to our lost knights. We get our uh, Night's Watch speech about the fallen knights. We shall never, uh, we should never see their ilk again, Joe. We should never see their ilk again. And this is when we get all the uh, the bodies being burned, and we see Stannis and Davos watching. Oh, wait, 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 wait! Did we miss uh, Jon Snow going to see um, Rattlebone's shirt? That comes right after here. Oh no. That comes right after it's it's right after this scene. So uh, oh, okay. Stannis and uh, Davos look with skepticism, and uh, John watches his friends burn as he sees through the fire, makes kind of uh, eye contact Melisandre. with with Melisandre, and we get a little uh, fire wipe with uh, Mel- a fire fade with Melisandre and John Snow. Power in that one, you know, that's what yeah. she's thinking. Like she can feel the power in John Snow. Ooh, there's power in King's blood. It's in there. I can smell it. She can smell that King's. Blood blood she she could smell it in there or not king's blood uh or just powerful stark well, blood. royal blood in there somehow because there was a king of the north who yeah was right it's brother. exactly there's there's this powerful the blood were the kings and the kings before the targaryens conquered westeros right yep so he's been a stark in winterfell for thousands of years or something yeah and they're connected to the first man and all that sort of stuff so from this point this is when john goes that's why they're warned or something uh, John goes in to see uh, uh, Giant's Bane there, and he says, uh, your blind man patched me up, and he wanted to know how he was going to die, and he just starts asking questions, how do you people up here kill people? How am I going to do it? put it on the rack? Am I going to get my head cut off? Am I going to get hung? He, like, he's excited about it. Like, how am I going to die? Oh, you got... What's going on? Torture? You guys gonna play with my nipples? It's like Mel Gibson in that South Park. What are you guys going to do? You're, you're going to bend me over. You're going to fuck me. What are you going to do? And he's really excited. It, and this all ends up just in the lead of a conversation where he's like, "Did you, uh, did you really love, did you really love her?" And because John wants to know if there's any special, he, John's coming to see him to ask him if there's any special way to bury or special rites that you want to do to the gods to talk to the dead. For Why the, they don't, they're dead with the yeah. They don't hear nothing. Yeah, they're dead. No, we don't. We don't have any words for the dead. They're dead. They don't hear anything. <laughs> that was awesome. I love this character. I wanted more of this guy too. I I miss. Still dead. <laughs> he he's aw- he's awesome, and he he was he's been great in every scene he's he's in. I I miss that we didn't get more wildling stuff. Uh, th- this season. I miss his rattle shirt, like yeah. his shirt, his his bone armor. They kind of rem- we saw him in that, and when we first met him, and we haven't really seen him in any of that since. So after this, he he basically asks Jon Snow to uh, take her body beyond the wall and burn it on the other side of the wall. So because she she really did love him, and that that was he he wanted to know if Jon really loved her, and and Jon's yeah he he, he didn't directly say it, but he basically just said it. And uh, this guy says says uh she really loved you and he goes really how do you know that did she say that and he goes no he, she said she wanted to kill you all the time but that's how i that's knew, how I knew. <laughs> that's how i knew and uh J- john seems a little bit happy and sh- he asks him if uh he killed her and he says no and they get they have a sad moment and then we get a very we do get a very sad scene another scene two scenes back to back got me a little a little emotional uh him saying, I found I found this scene to be far more emotional than anything that happened last week. Uh, him saying goodbye to her, burning her right there. You really, this was some of the best acting he's done on the show. He, yeah, he, but I still, I'm still like this. This sealed it for me that he was definitely more in love with her than I ever felt he was, even in the book or yeah. previous to this. You know, I, I think he maybe okay. So we had 
he had some sort of connection with her. I just don't think he was like actually in love with her because, you know, like like Aemon Targaryen says, love is the death of duty, <laughs> and duty didn't die here. So. so, oh, that's fair. That's a fair assessment, but I think. I don't think he's necessarily. I think to be a true warrior of the Night's Watch, that's true. And I know John took his oath, and but I think in his heart, he's he's something else. He's something more. And love is part of that honor. And I think he really did fall fall in love with her, at least on the show. I I think we are in two completely different universes with the book and the book and the show. And I think on the show, there was real love there. At least I, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a parallel universe to yeah. the book. Speaking of love, here we go. Hodor. We get some Hodor. It's been a while. And we get Hodor and Jojen oh. and Bran and company walking through the woods. Uh-oh, Joe, 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 Joe wants us to yada yada over this part. I think, I think maybe he had some issues here. It, to be fair, what's coming up here was probably the hardest thing that the show's ever had to figure out a way to translate from what, and I, we're not, we don't talk too much about the books, to translate what's in the books to a visual medium. Because when you're dealing with magic type stuff and, and things like that, you deal with a lot of people's imagination. So it well, here, here we go. I would have rather seen them put the money into the creature or thing that is supposed to have brought Bran North from the wall and maybe given him, introduced him shortly after Craster's Keep to bring him the rest of the way than to have had this scene here at the mouth of the of the the cave. I just uh I really didn't like it. I didn't think it it didn't feel didn't look great. It didn't feel great. Um it, that being said, it was still a good scene. I was still entertained. It yeah. just didn't feel like Game of Thrones. It had a very like <laughs> it had a video game feel to it for a second. Yeah, just watching her yeah. that little children of the forest throw those gambit cards it looked fireballs whatever the fuck they were it looked like it it looked bad it to me to me what it kind of looked like at times and and i still enjoyed the fuck out of the scene and but to me what it looked like was uh, a gambit as a child fighting zelda zelda villains like the the, uh the zelda skeleton guys that come out were like coming up and to fight and they kept coming out like gauntlet or something they just kept popping out of the ground and then she comes out and she's throwing what what to me at first looked like she was throwing like playing cards that had like gambit magic on it and stuff it was just weird it was weird it didn't i didn't feel like it didn't really fit to me at all but that's was done but that's the toughest part joe because Ultimately, the universe that they've created on the show that that everyone loves so much is that they've underplayed the magic aspects of it. Right, and you tell everybody that who's ever been told you need to watch the show. It's not about fantasy. It's more about all this other stuff that goes on. This was the, the most fantasy that they've done. That like gets destroyed with this one scene, <laughs> you know, like, and in such a bad way. And like again, that being said, it was still a very entertaining scene, and I still it didn't destroy the episode for me. No, I, I just like like the Jamie rape thing. It took you Jamie out. It took you out. And pretend it was different in my mind. Right. It took it took you out, and that's what I was saying at the beginning. It's one of those one of those scenes that, and one of those things that was going to be very difficult to bring from from paper into a visual aspect because when you're dealing with magic type things you d- again you deal with a lot of people's imaginations. I thought they did pretty well with what they're doing but they obviously it it it, it was an interesting transition it uh that that happened. So so we get ultimately what happened here is uh Brandon Jojen and company 
they uh, they're following the they're going through the snow and they're like we can't go any further and they're like oh but we're already here and they see a tree in the distance which I thought this looked really beautiful when they see the tree and they're kind of going towards the tree and yeah, that tree was pretty cool that was a really nice uh, weirwood yeah you know it was it was beautiful we got a lot of puppy action too we got we got we got to see uh, the dire wolf walking around it was cute yeah and. Uh, and then, and then the, suddenly these skeleton guys start popping up from the ground. And yeah, I didn't even notice. My eyes were too glued on that on that tree. I didn't notice the wolf. I didn't know, I hadn't noticed the wolf at all. I was just looking at too many other things in these scenes to notice <coughs> the wolf at all. And uh, the skeleton warriors come up and they start and they start going crazy. And well, they didn't just come up; it was a hand came out of the ground. A hand and came up and yeah, by and, the heel and, and stops them. Right, and starts dragging them underneath. And uh, and then all these skeleton guys come up through the ground. Very unexpected. It reminded me of the old like uh, Sinbad Voyages of the Seven Seas, the skeleton warriors. You know, like yeah. the old just like clay animation or like stock photo animation, whatever it was that like old. 40s 50s jason and the agonauts whatever yeah no i I know exactly what you mean when there's like the skeleton uh the walking skeleton uh the in uh in nightmare on elm street part four uh or part is it part four or part three part four that or part three it is actually so so i know what you're saying there so the skeletons come out and they start attacking them and uh jojen's sisters fighting them all off as uh as Bran is watching it all happen, and one of them's coming at Bran, and the direwolf saves the day for him, and then Hodor's getting his ass kicked a little bit, but then Bran says, enough of this, and, excuse me, this was my favorite part of the scene, again, he jumps in Hodor, and Hodor starts doing some Hulk smashing going on, smashing people, Hulk, Hodor, smash, and uh, Bran, Brandor starts kicking some ass, and, uh, but Jojen's in danger, and one of the skeleton guys picks up a dagger and uh, starts stabbing Jojen in the gut as he screams to him, go, go, go. And then right it as... really fantastic watching Hodor go crazy, I gotta uh, tell you. The Hulk watching smashes, it, yeah. Guy, and like, the, even the look he shoots Bran in the middle of it before Bran takes over and like, huh, Hodor? Like, what do I do? Go kill him! Yeah, don't... Oh, come on. Oh. Don't make me have to do this, Hodor. Do it. Do it. Come on. Come on, buddy. Do it. Do it. Do it. You know, Bran... Yeah, yeah. But he and basically the the look almost looked like he was asking Bran to like take over for a minute, like yeah. he didn't want to do it himself, <laughs> or didn't know how to do it himself, couldn't do it himself. Even though he like kind of took a few steps forward, he just kind of froze too. So Jojen is stabbed, and uh, they're 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 good riddance. I was so tired of two little sick boys getting dragged <laughs> through the north. So he that, get that part of this scene I was okay with. You know, like bye Jojen, thank you. Have a good night. Was Jojen sick like that in the book? Yeah, I believe he was. So jo- Jojen goes goes sleepy time and uh and right as he's a, he's somewhat di- he's about to die, uh this little girl comes out uh that looks like and starts throwing magic and knocking back some of the skeletons and she goes come with me and they go to try to help jojen and she goes he's already dead but you guys if you want to survive you yeah, can... yeah. either stay with him and die with him or get your asses over here quick yeah and get into this cave and uh so so the sister she was, a little girl. She was like she looked like she was like nine or ten years old or something like she really did look like a small little girl and the sister puts uh jojen out of his misery green like 
flowers or leaves in her hair. And she makes sure she burns his body before they're leaving to make sure he doesn't turn. Because you can see him start to turn, his eyes starting to turn blue. She didn't burn him. I thought she just like cut his throat or something. She, no, she, she was the starting si- to die. No, the sister. The sister did, but then right after that, he his eyes started to turn blue, and the little girl threw a fire, threw a fire, threw another fireball. Oh, okay. yeah, to to burn him up so he wouldn't turn into Wait, a. There were more skeletons run, like charging at them. I thought she threw that at them. So. No, she threw one at him too to burn him up. Okay, good. So I, I was hoping we, that I was kind of thinking like, oh no, is he gonna come? Are we gonna see him again as a? Uh... As a, a, a white walker. <laughs> You're going to say zombie, weren't you? You're, it's, we're at Walker Stalker Con. <laughs> you totally wanted to say a walker, right? So, <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah. So as they walk underground beneath the tree, we see all the skeleton guys die because they can't live there. Uh, they ask who she is, and she says, the first men called them the children, but they were there long before the first men, and said, come with me. He awaits you. Who is it? Is it uh, yogurt? It, does yogurt await them? <laughs> Sorry, for the space. <laughs> Master space. yogurt. <laughs> Master, they they have to go beneath the tree to find Master Yogurt here. As they walk beneath the tree, <laughs> they see the. Uh, it is the three eyed raven, and uh, and Bran goes, "Are you the three eyed raven?" He says, "I've been many things, and you will see me as what I am now." And it's an old man sitting up there, and and basically what comes out of this is he says that Jojen knew the whole time that he was going to die. And and Brandon want anyone to die for him to get here, but all that's important is that he's there now. And, and, and why? But why am I here now? Wh- to to get what you have lost. To get what you have lost, and he goes to walk again. And yeah, he's so short sighted. Like as far as like him being able to see, you know, he's so short. I, he that's all his focus. I'm gonna get there, and I'm gonna get my legs back. Do you that's think that was what was driving him the whole time? That he thought I that kind of. I think kind of that was at least. The biggest part of his hope was that when he got there, he would get his legs back because it all kind of started. These dreams kind of started happening to him that we know of after his legs got taken. So and uh, and believe, uh, what comes from what comes from all of this is he will never he will never walk again, but he will he will fly. He'll fly. So. So perhaps wings and fly little Brandon. Yeah. So Brand's gonna go into a uh, into a bird or a bat or who knows uh, what Brand's gonna become. We'll 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 have to see. And this is and this is the end of uh, Brand for the episode. So we will see you next season when you are when you look thirty when you look thirty years old. <laughs> so here we go to what I, what I, what ultimately uh, it's hard to say my favorite, but we were talking at the beginning of this episode. Close to what my favorite whole setup was. And this is the Brienne and Pod leading into what c- comes from his, here. So we have Brienne. I love this. I love this. This, uh, all the changes they made to, to whatever the two storylines that intersect here are fine with me. They culminate in what ends up being an amazing scene. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Amazing scene. So I don't care how we ended up with. With that girl on the boat, we got there, and the way they took us was just as good as the books, as far as I was concerned. They so, did a great job with it. So Podrick lost the horses. It's a, a missed opportunity by George Martin. Yeah, and I, th- I think honestly that I think in a couple of cases where they've made changes, I, I have a feeling uh, that's exactly what they did. Where George is like, uh. Yeah, I'm sure they ask his permission or at least throw it by him before they completely change. Because he is a writer on the show, too, and he's an advisor of the show. So he probably has some pull in the sense of like, oh, that's a pretty good idea. You know, he pro- like I'm sure 
I'm sure he doesn't, he isn't a fan of every idea. And there's a couple of times where he's come out and said he wasn't a fan of things that they've done, but this, but I don't think this is the case. So we go to Brian and Pod, and uh, and Pod has lost the horses because he can't tie a uh, figure eight knot well enough, and and that means he needs to carry everything. And we we get the vibe that their relationship. The horses ran away in the middle of the night, supposedly. Yeah, supposedly, and poor poor Podrick, he was going from being so good at his job, being uh, Tyrion's guy and doing that job so perfectly and getting glorified by a completely different kind of squire. One was more like a, uh, 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 an assistant to like a, you know, uh, an assistant to a Hollywood type or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, he's like taking around, he's taking around like young Russell Crowe or something like that. He's just hanging around. Personal assistant to Tyrion, but an actual squire to Brienne. Excuse me. I meant to say young Robert Downey Jr. And I don't know why I said Russell Crowe, but young, it's like he's, he's going from hanging out with young Robert Downey Jr. To now he's, he's, he's working with like a military guy that wants everything a very specific way and needs things this way, this way, this way. And Podrick's failing and you got to feel bad for the guy he does come in handy in a second here he definitely does his knowledge of the houses and who everybody is because brianne doesn't know dick brianne is is awesome and even more awesome i feel about her after the scene but she doesn't you know she's a little she's more than a little naive so uh to say the least so she's walking around uh just kind of checking out this checking out the area and she sees in the distance a little girl training with a sword and and it is none other than Arya Stark. And I got to admit, the lead up of this whole scene being something, and this is similar to when we had earlier in, in the year, being someone that, again, I'm not as familiar with the books as some people having listened, listened to them on tape and talked to a lot of people that have read the books and, and got a little bit into detail. But when you come to these moments where you know it's something completely different that you're seeing for the first time, like my heart started to race in this scene. I was like, I don't, I got to admit mine was thumping out of my chest. Yeah, the was scene like, was great. What is going to happen here? I, like, I, like I was so dumbfounded of where they were going to take this scene. Exactly. And it, it fulfilled every desire I had. It was so awesome. So, so Brienne sees Arya Stark practicing and she, she introduces herself very politely. Oh, morning. How are you? Nice sword. Are we close to the bloody gate? And, uh, and Arya's like, yeah, about ten mi- about ten more miles, and uh, and she asks uh, she asks Brand if she's a knight. She says no, but she's like, you know how to use the sword, don't you? And uh, does it have a name? Yeah, we're both cunts. We name our swords. Uh, it's our my it's Oathkeeper. Oh, good name. Oh, this is Needle. Oh, that's a good name. And who taught you to fight? And she and Brand says my father. And uh, and Arius says, well, my father never let me taught me to fight. And Brian says, well, I just kept fighting the boys and they would always beat the crap out of me. So my dad finally said, you know what? If you're going to fight the boys, I might as well train you. And our <laughs> and Arias was basically about to sell. Well, my dad kind of did the same same thing. And uh, and but the hound kind of starts walking out and Podrick walk up. But at the same time uh, yeah. to, to, to bump into each other like, oh, oh hey. I know you. <laughs> yeah, but Brianna initially introduces like, "Hey, nice to meet you," and uh, and the hound's like, "What do you want something?" <laughs> and uh, and and that's when uh, P- your Podrick goes, "I know you. You're the hound." And the hound's like, "Oh yeah, yeah. So what of it? Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck your mother. I'm the hound. Fuck your mother." And 
And and this is when Brienne definitely the wheels start a crank and and she's like, oh my god, you're Arya Stark. I swore an oath to your mother to save to save you to protect you. And Arya, cold as speaking of cold as a cucumber, uh, she's just ice ice in this episode. My mom's dead, so I guess you didn't do a good job <laughs> protecting her. And 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 she's like, and he's like, I would. Uh, I said I'd bring you home, and. Uh, and she's like, my mother's dead. And she's, I brought a sacred vow. Well, it's uh, like, uh, but, and yeah, it's like uh, stranger danger. Yeah. Right. Str- <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to pick you up after school, Aria. Oh, your mother's been in a horrible car accident. Get in the car. Get in the car. Come, come, with, me. come with me. And the hound steps up here and is just like, no, 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 no. Well, you've got Lannister gold. I, I've worked for the Lannisters enough to know some right. Lannister gold. And she's like, very fancy sword you're carrying there, sweetheart. And she's like, I didn't get anything from Lannisters. And he, and yeah, he, that's a fancy sword. Where'd you get that? Um, Jamie Lannister. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then Arya's like, why did you leave my mother? Why weren't you there to protect my mother? Why didn't you protect her? You swore an oath. Well, you she, your sworn oath keeper. What's... Yeah. Well, she told me to, to take Jamie Lannister, blah, blah, blah. And Arya's like, just didn't want to hear that. And this is when the Hound starts to uh, starts to get into it with her and get into a little bit of a disagreement, like, like yelling like back and forth with Bran, like, watch out, you know, don't fuck with me. And, uh, and Arya's like interrupting it and being like, Listen, why don't you just get the hell out of it? The bloody gate's 10 miles away. Get away from me. And uh, I swore an oath. And Arya's like, I don't give a fuck if you're swearing. And you're coming with me now. And and the hound has the greatest line. You're com- She's coming with you. Uh, her mom's dead. Her brother's dead. Her aunt's dead. And she's coming with you. And you're taking her where? Where is she going to be safe, you dumb bitch? <laughs> you just- all, all I can say, too, is uh, remember the first time we had people walking, traveling through the Erie? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was extremely dangerous. Caitlin and Tyrion's her they got attacked, and then Tyrion got attacked again on the way out. They brought all the mountain men, who did a majority of them did live and and brought weapons and stuff back to the mountain as well, the mountains. But now suddenly everybody's traveling nice <laughs> and easy straight through the Erie. I thought that was a little strange. It is. It is. But you got to figure that uh, because it wasn't in the books. Ah. But you got to figure because of the death of Liza that they probably keeping everything inside right now. They probably pulled their forces in to figure out what the hell's going on rather than being 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 able to police the area as much right now because they're dealing with uh, personal, you know, personal business. Because because you're so insulated there that you can you can kind of go in and deal. It's wild tribes. But it's so insul it's so insulated there. The bloody gate's so protective that you can kind of get away with being. Uh, it's not like it's not like the the uh, prison at The Walking Dead where a tank just no, pulls. But once up. you're past the bloody gate, it's it's all mountain men and mm. tribes. Oh no, I hear you there. I hear not you. just the cities and stuff. It's also like anywhere there's woods and mountains, it's people are going down. Well, so at so this all leads up to the fact that the mountain kind of or the mountain the uh, the hound walks over and uh, and looks at her sword and goes oh wow you have a Valerian sword I've always wanted a Valerian sword and uh, oh she pulls it out yep and she says uh, I'm gonna take her to safety and this is where we get uh, everyone's a dead pile of rubble there's no safety <laughs> now you dumb bitch <laughs> but 
we're gonna but then i mean there's enough foreplay here they pull out their swords and we get into a knockdown drag out fight between bran and the hound and oh it's amazing it's really good this is maybe the single-handed like we this rivals a couple episodes ago we would say that the best fight single-handedly on the show was the mountain the viper is like a one-on-one fight maybe people would say ned Ned stark with jamie was the best one-on-one fight but to me, this was the best one-on-one fight that they've done in the entire series. This well, ro- up until we get that very same moment that we got, that we always get in every fight almost ever, with the exception of Steven Seagal kicking someone's ass. And that's the, I'm not going to, I don't want to kill you. Or I want to explain to you why I'm going to not kill you right this minute. <laughs> like, she, I don't want to kill you, the hound. No, just Cut the fucker's head off. It's the hound. No, I hear you. But she isn't really the type of person that goes in. Oh, I guess she is. We've seen her in the past. I, that maybe was a little... You're right. Maybe that was a little convenient that she didn't kill him right there so they could have that moment with him and Arya coming up. Because ultimately we have seen her kill without... Indiscriminately kill opponents pretty quickly before she we've seen her take out foot soldier type guys or red shirts without even giving a fuck she kept the hound alive so he could have that scene with aria but it was worth it to have that scene with aria because you needed sure. that it's, sure. a, it's a little convenient and it was worth it for the kick-ass fight that again i will say right now and i am one for hyperbole but right now that was one of my favorite fight scenes ever in a film or a television show. It rivals up there when Ralphie and Tony Soprano are getting into their big well, fight. One of the best parts about that fight is she not only picks up that rock to use it, but she never puts it down until she's done. Nope. <laughs> and she Mike Tyson's his ear. She bites off this oh, motherfucker's yeah, ear. Right off. His charred ear, too. It wasn't even yeah. like his good ear. He bit my ear. mangled ear. He bit my ear. He bit both my ears. <laughs> <laughs> that echoed but it was okay if anything is gonna echo it's gonna be it's gonna be a vander holyfield yelling that he bit my ear he bit both my ears i love that but she totally mike tyson him. she bit she bit the fucking ear off and spit it out but the fight was a great fight and it was going back and forth between the two of them i'm not gonna play by play the fight but it was it was freaking awesome and they go back and forth and just kick each other's ass to the point i just want to know what it is with the hound that didn't he just get bit in the neck? <laughs> yeah, he did. Everyone, everyone, what the fuck is everybody fighting me for? Oh my god! His last two thoughts are probably, "Oh my god, a woman killed me." Fuck Arya Stark. And, and the third one, why is everyone biting me? What what's with the biting? Leave me alone. <laughs> poor guy but she but she bites the ear spits off and then like the biggest thing is she goes crazy roddy piper on his face at the end of the fight because it looks like it, it seriously goes back and forth he gets her down at one point and he's just kicking her in the crotch over and over again and i almost expected him to start yelling i'm kicking you in the cunt right now bitch right now uh <laughs> but it, but you could, you could almost it was almost within the scene it was happening and uh and then she just gets on top of him and she just starts Boom, 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 like like going crazy on his face, and that and that was done deal. And he he falls off a cliff or kind of rolls rolls down a hill, and no, then no, like, I think he like throws her throws her off him, gets up, or they were standing when he was when she was bashing his face, and then she boots him in the chest, and he, or one last blow, and he goes right off the cliff. Yeah, he goes right off the cliff, and it's a little foggy. I, my mouth was on the floor. I don't know exactly what I was seeing. I was in shock. <laughs> The scene was fantastic. The fight scene was great. Everybody's going to watch that a hundred times along with the Oberon Mountain fight scene. Yeah, Definitely it, what a great fight. 
some of the best scenes of the entire series, those two, and some of the best, I'd say the top three fight scenes would be, uh, the Drago stuff was cool too, but it would be these two battles from this season and then the Ned Stark versus Jamie Lannister fight from season one. That still was, like, might be number one. That was just an awesome fight that you just... No, no, no. It's either either the Mountain in Oberon or this one. Done that that Ned Stark and Jamie scene was okay, but it had as just as much of a of a, a non climax feel for me as it did for Jamie because that guard he fucked it all up. Yeah, that, leg, that guard know? that guard fucked it all up. He really did. Right. The the guard saved Ned Stark's life. Is what he did right there. Oh, I'm pissing people off right I don't there. Know about that, I definitely don't know about that. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't know. It's 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 left for the uh, imagination to see who. So it's so unclimactic that I can't give that fight scene one of the best fight scenes of the of the series fair, fair enough so so after brienne mike tyson's uh the hound's ear and knocks him off the cliff and all that sort of stuff uh she walks off and as joe said she had a moment where she said she wasn't going to kill him and uh and i don't want to kill anybody and she just goes off and she meets back up with pod as they're looking for aria we hear her scream right. she's she starts screaming immediately for aria not for Podrick. Yeah, which I thought was interesting, and you don't hear Podrick screaming for anybody at all—not for Brian, not for anybody. And when she finally meets up with Podrick, she's like, "Where's Arya? Where yeah. were you?" And he says, "Oh, I don't know where Arya went. I was, I was watching you, not her, because I thought you might need me." Well, if you didn't think she needed you, what the hell is wrong with you? Because anybody that's fighting the mountain could always use. An extra like the hound, but yeah, I know. It just... Oh, sorry, the the hound could always. Use I did an extra it too. Spear to the back of the leg. <laughs> so it's fair to say that the Clegane brothers gave us some of the best combat this season. Way to go, way to go, Hound and Mountain. I, I mean, we yes. might we might never get our Mountain versus the Hound battle, but again, other than the brief little shot we got from uh from a couple of seasons ago, but the, but two of the best fights in uh. Two out of the last three episodes were from both these guys. So way to way to kick some ass, brothers. So Brienne's going nuts, going down the hill, asking, uh, screaming out Arya, Arya. And she yells at Podrick that Podrick didn't keep track of Arya, as, as Joe was saying. And uh, and this is where we see Arya kind of hiding on a rock, watching the whole situation. Up on the peak, like, blended in very well with the stone. Yep. Just camouflage, she hid very well from them. And he wa- she walks down to where the hound is, and he says, you're still here, as he coughs some blood. And uh, and he looks down, and she says, you're going to die. And he says, unless a Meister is around the corner, I'm pretty fucked right now. Uh, oh, what a what, little Macy Williams. What a great uh, Maze Williams, whatever the hell her name is. Yeah, she played this scene so cold. If we thought Jon Snow was cold earlier in the scene, she had the poker face from death in the scene. This was the Abe Vigoda or the uh, the Godfather scene again, where you just have the guy, nope, Tom, uh, or the Tom Hagen, the look to look to Abe Vigoda like see so much emotion. You could see enjoyment, you could see hate, you could see, you could see, oh, was, you could see sad, you, you could see sadness for what a couple of people have been suggesting in the comments that she cared about him a little bit, and you definitely saw her play that in that moment that she had care for the Hound as well, and which is quite well. I don't, I'm not. I know you're not sold on that, but I, I felt like she was playing that emotion a little bit, that she, that there was a little bit of you've protected me. 
You've protected I mean, me through I, all everybody this. Everybody else thinks so, so I'll. I'll no, I'll you don't have. You don't need to stick stick to your stick to your laurels, because because I could play it. I could see it both ways. Uh, but there's like, do you think she was? Do you, here's the question. The hound at this point goes into a speech, a little tirade, a little hate-filled speech, filled with stuff about, you know, I should have raped your sister. Yeah. I hated it. I ha- I killed the little the little butcher boy. He screamed and begged, "Kill me." Yeah, go I, on, girl. I'm, I'm I'm begging you to kill me. Why won't you kill me? Yeah, you're putting all this stuff. Do you think if he doesn't do that, honestly, mm-hmm. honestly, she walks up and sees him in the condition that she's that he's in? Do you think that she's not going to just leave him there to die? Or do you think she would have, if he was just like, mm. sorry, kid, I tried to get you home to your family. Didn't work out. Can you kill me? You think she goes, yeah, sure. No problem. And kills him. No, no. no I, Cause I honestly, I do believe that whether she fell into a little bit of what's that disorder when you uh, fall in love with your uh, Stockholm, syndrome. Stockholm syndrome. I think she had a little bit of that, but I think ultimately she was playing the, the Sawyer from Lost long game here. Like she was playing the long con. She was waiting. I, I don't think she necessarily even had that Stockholm syndrome. I think she had the, she's been a hostage to so many people at this point to Tywin himself to, to even, even to the guy from the black watch that originally abducts her from after her father dies. She doesn't have a choice as to where she goes or what she does. He brutally cuts her hair off in the alleyway. <laughs> You're not a smart boy, are you? You stupid little Yeah boy, you fucking boy. <laughs> You're not a girl. She's prisoner. She's Tywin's prisoner. She's the Brotherhood's prisoner. She's the Hound's prisoner. But to, but she, Joe, to, an, to answer your question, I I would say that it was always her plan to have him have the most torturous death she could possibly cause for him. Right, and I think every step of the way that she's kind to him or nice to him is, is self-serving because she knows that not only is he saying and actually doing what he says to take her to one of her family members to sell her back, but he's the freaking hound. Who's going to kill her while he while she's... Well, he's trying to get a ransom. Nobody. It's protection. No, it's project. She, no, she's, she's using, eventually going to run through. She's using him as a project shield, essentially. She's, she's using, a smart girl who was friends with Jakan Hakar long before she was friends with the Hound. Exa- and also, I agree with you because I think I think she's a smart con woman. I was met, saying this before. I think she's playing the long con here. And she was playing, waiting for that opportunity. And I think maybe she would have stabbed him through the throat if that was more beneficial to her, but she was in right. a position that was going to give her more, more, right. Yeah. If she it was, if it was the, like, drag me to a Meister, get the horses and take me somewhere. She would have killed them instead. Right. Exactly. But he was like, kill me. So she was like, screw you and left them there. Right. Exactly. If he, if he didn't want, she wasn't going to give him what he wanted. No matter, no matter what. She found herself in the most perfect situation she could find herself in at that moment. She ran away from Brian, not to escape from from anything, but to uh, to a maybe this was her moment to get away from the hound. Also, no matter who won, but when Brian won, it was her moment to go back and and see the dead body. She who did she expect to see him alive at all? No, she was going down to look at his dead body to get what, to get the like, gold or whatever. She, she was she him. was she was going but, for the gold. She was going for the gold. Essentially, she right. was going to get the gold and the silver. That I mean, she was that she wasn't going down there to check on his health. I I hear but what she you're didn't saying. Have any gold or silver with her in the next scene? So 
No, she did. She had gold. That's why she said to the boat guy she could she only pay. Had a little bit of silver. She only had a little bit of, of coin. Right. Which she stole. Which she What she stole from the hound there. Which she, she took a pouch out of him uh, after right before he uh, right before she left him. So uh, so he basically is just begging her to die, to kill him. Like it's it's a really disgusting disgustingly funny scene in a weird way but like morbid and just played excellently by both actors because as joe was saying he starts mentioning all the horrible things he was doing and going please kill me come on kill me i'm a horrible person kill me i'm on your fucking list you should go with brianne she'll might teach you to fight like a real person not like a stupid dancer like you've always learned to fight she, oh, well, and that's what that's what uh she he says oh your little uh your big bitch one yeah and she says uh who Arya says the the woman up there. He says no, your dancer, your water dancer from Bravos, that bitch. He's saying that's the one that won, because uh, she would manage to escape from both of them at that point. I think. <laughs> I, again, my jaw was on the floor, so I couldn't really make out too much of what was going on. It was uh, what what he said at that point when she first walked up, but. It was nice. Yeah, and Arya, nice. and Arya just has cold eyes the whole time, just cold, oh, yeah. evil That's eyes. Fair. Just definitely crazy eyes, that like just cold death behind her. That stare, that gaze, well, wonderful. Similar to the way Tony Soprano is looking at Christopher Maltasanti. Spoiler alert for the Sopranos when <laughs> when he uh, when he just strangles him there, like just that cold death look in the eyes there. And uh, and just do it, just do it. And the hound almost is crying, and he looks upset. And she just grabs what the little pouch in his pocket and walks off. As he's, yep. as you can hear him screaming in the distance, "Kill me, kill Bye. me, kill me!" Bye. And here we go with about 10, 15 minutes left in the episode. Whatever. Oh wait, he, uh, the... <sighs> yes. <laughs> That's all. Okay, that's it. So, so he Joe just needs to say goodbye to that scene right there because that was that was just that was pure awesomeness, really. It's I mean we could keep honestly we could keep talking about that scene over and over again about all the cool which we're definitely gonna end up talking about that over. over yeah, yeah, exactly. There'll be there'll be more, there'll be more. We're gonna do more podcasts in the summer where where we'll definitely go go into that scene a little bit in depth about how it's different from the books and stuff like that. So. So we go to uh, Tyrion, and uh, and Tyrion is uh, is not ready. And Tyrion, Tyrion, uh, they knock on the door, and Tyrion thinks it's the the door coming to uh, take him to death. And Tyrion said he's not ready. Uh, you son of a motherless, you uh, son of a whore, or something like that. But no, it's not someone to kill him. It is Jamie, and Jamie says, "Listen, you shouldn't talk about your mother like that." And uh, it's Jamie all comedically. Jamie, <laughs> Jamie just got laid. He's he's in buddy cop mode, and he's like, "Really? Hey, come on, uh, uh, Varys has got a ship." Ooh. Yeah, who's helping you? You couldn't be doing this alone. Who's helping you? Varys is helping him, of course. My the, the spider is finally getting, getting uh, building his web a little bit more, and he's getting Tyrion out of there because I, I think they've cut a little bit out of here for time. I'm sure they probably filmed it because the episode ran long to begin with. You but... mean Jamie coming to Varys and asking him for help? Yeah, and well, and he, and well, not just that, but the uh, also Varys leading him to the to the first. Uh, detour mm -hmm. so I, I feel like we maybe should have had a scene with jamie and varus earlier uh but the, i think you're right i think they were pressed for time a little bit and there's probably some stuff that got cut here they should have made they, sh they could have made um 
not last episode because last episode of course was all just the wall um which and i want to retract because of the way the start of this episode went when stannis showed up which was visually just amazing all those horses flying into the woods from both sides do you think they should have done that last episode do you think they should have had that happen at the end of last episode no i'm gonna say that i i retract what i said about having last episode should have happened you know so many weeks Mm -hmm. or episodes before because it really did need to start on that note i think that cavalry charge was just amazing and it really set just this steamroller mood throughout this whole episode even even the the weaker scenes in my mind the jamie cersei scene and cersei highwind scene and the the children scene the brand stuff yeah that that you know even even those were steamroll like those were just powerful quick rolling jaw on the floor kind of scenes and it started off with the stand scene and i thought that was because of last week's battle was fresh on our mind and how amazing that was that it was it was it fit together much better than i you know like i said i'm not i'm not the editor and producer and there's a reason why because they because they do an yeah they do an excellent job and and it's like what we're doing here when it really comes down to it is we're talking about like uh, what flavor of awesome tasty ice cream? It's like this is really awesome ice cream, and this is like ice cream that was you know it was really good, but it wasn't quite as awesome as the other awesome tasty ice cream. So it's not like we're being like, oh this is shit. I don't think the series has ever done a this is shit moment yet. There's not one thing no. that I can think of to be like oh I really think this was crap, and it's just more my, of a- my weakest moment of the entire th- uh, like I was the mountain slaughtering innocent slaves or whatever slaves right that in the courtyard. Yeah. And it was replaced by this brand scene. So, <laughs> so, so yeah. Those so, were my two weakest moments. And even those, they weren't bad. And, and the mountain redeemed himself with that fight with Oberon for whatever I thought about. Every time I've been like, ah, this was, uh, I, I end up saying it's, it's, you know. It's good that there's smarter people. Yeah, it's good that there's smarter people than us running the show. It's, it's basically what it comes down to. So as they, as they run through, uh, they run out the locked door. Uh, he he tells him that Varys has a ship waiting for him. And they're going to get him out of there, and they uh, they run down and they run past the locked door. And uh, Jamie and and Tyrion have a very tearful hug, a really good emotional moment goodbye. And I'm going to put a hold on this to say we're going to talk about this at a later date in a book club type podcast. But there's a big difference here between something that happens with the books. For those of you who haven't read the books, I'm not going to get into it too much, but. There's they a little bit. On, they depart on different terms, uh, but it ultimately can be debated as to whether or not both parties feel like they're actually leaving on those uncomfortable right. terms. Exactly. Yeah. So. But but there is a little bit of a difference here that you might start to hear with some of the people being like, "Oh, this was different. Boys this was different." Boys, brothers will be brothers, and in the end of it, I think it, they do such a great job. Yeah, making get... everything where it's supposed to be. Yeah, we were talking about this before the show and ultimately everything gets where it's supposed to be. It just gets there a little bit differently. And this is, and I I think this is no better or worse. I just think it's a, it's a different take and it's all set. It's all set up because Jamie was there. I mean, we talked about this in an early part of the season in the preempt. The fact of the timing when they had Jamie show up at King's Landing and the fact he was there for Joffrey's murder creates a, they needed to change things up a lot and make it a completely different setup. Right, that puts the relief 
he he sees how things unfolded with his own eyes having been there at the wedding that he we don't need to have that same kind of departure right. scene that we have in the book exactly so so again this turns out to be a really awesome goodbye between two brothers and i and i honestly hope that at some point in the series they have a reunion and they meet up again because they they're awesome together and i'm glad in the this last part of this season we got more scenes with jamie and Tyrion together because the actors work so well with each other that they're so, it's so fun to watch scenes with Tyrion and jamie so as they say goodbye uh Tyrion goes to escape but he can't quite go he seems to feel like he has some unfinished business here he wants to, I think what he wants to do is he wants to go and talk to T Tywin and just let Tywin know, how the hell could you let me get in this position? Were you really going to kill me? I think his initial impression is just... Right, he just kind of, all of a sudden, Jamie's gone and Tyrion's alone in spite of Jamie saying, I got various to help you. Now Tyrion's wandering through the hallways or the passageways alone and just... And we don't really know where he's going, but he seems to know where he's going, and it doesn't seem to be like he's trying to get out. No, and we know already know, again, to connect from before, him at the time that he was Hand of the King, there is a scene where where he's being shown the passageways and, go, and being like, this is a, a way to get here and here and here. I believe there's a scene set up way earlier, so we know that Tyrion knows his way around these tunnels. He knows that these passageways kind of exist. Yes. And he's smart, and he knows the basic layouts of King's King's Landing and the Red Keep and the dungeon area and all that. <clears throat> He's a smart man. So. so he walks into the room that uh, his father's bedroom and that's we end up that's ending up where he is and he approaches the bed and we see a figure on the bed and it's a figure. It's a female figure and he approaches a little closer, a little closer and we finally get the visual. It is none other than Highland. Well, we hear it first. Tywin. Tywin. No, we hear my lion. My lion. No, he says Tywin first, oh. and then we hear my lion as she looks up. And it's him. yet to see Tyrion standing there. And this was a little bit different in the book, but they did do a shout out to the book people in the sense they she wasn't laying there naked with the hand of the king on her, but they showed the hand of the king on the night table, essentially. On the night table, right. And she it was, was the pin, not the chain. Right. But it's, she did have some sort of gold rope gold wrapped rope. around her neck to start. So. so that was a little bit of a shout out to the readers just to be like in the similar to the Cersei with, uh, oh, your face isn't as bad as reported kind of thing. They just wanted you to know that they knew that they were changing it. It's one of those things that's like a wink to the wink to the readers to be like, we're changing things a little bit because the actress didn't want to be naked for whatever, like whatever reason. So so they set up the scene and then she Takes the takes the initiative again. This is a little different, if I if I remember correctly. Yeah, she, no, she grabs the uh, she just grabs yeah, that knife next she, to the bed. She grabs the knife and charges at Tyrion, and Tyrion overpowers her and knocks her down, and then just ends up grabbing the little rope thing, the little hand of the king thing, and choking her out as he lays down and chokes her out to it death. Falls off the end of the bed and chokes her like chokes her neck off the side oh. of the bed while her body flops around on the mattress and Chivy's life is squeezed out of her. And I think most people that were watching that said she fucking deserved that. That was like that was so like yes. But Tyrion, come on, does anybody who's been white fanged deserve it <laughs> when they like if you get white fanged, you turn around and you bite the hand that is is trying to beat you and push you away because you don't understand and it hurts. So she that's what she did. He white fanged her. 
and she turned around and said, you bastard, I'm just a whore, huh? Well, I'll show you just a whore, and then went and put him in jail, yep. and or put him to death, and then went and fucked daddy. What else do you do? <clears throat> Fuck him. But if if that whole if every scenario that you said was led up to that and you get to that point and then you find her in bed with your daddy because you get out because your brother let you out and you walk into that room and she's sitting there in bed and she charges at you with a knife you oh, kill no, you don't you, have any understanding this you is kill all, you kill the bitch crystal eyes of the viewer oh no you choke the bitch out off yeah, the edge of yeah the bed. you choke the bitch out <laughs> of the edge of bed that's what you do yeah, and it was self-defense a little bit. It like was. She grabbed the knife and went to attack him. Yeah, so, we can't make right. Dink, we can't make Dink the villain. They never will make Dink the villain in the show. So, uh, so she, so he chokes her out, and then he looks up at the wall in a very Pulp Fiction type moment, like Bruce Willis looking to go to to, to, to kill Zed. There, he's looking around the room for the weapons, you know, the, the, the chainsaw and a ninja sword, and he grabs the crossbow and he starts to walk. <laughs> right. The Joffrey's favorite weapon. Yeah, you know, the Joffrey weapon, exactly. And he walks to uh, to the back office, <laughs> the bathroom, to where Tywin's there. And he, he kicks open... Yeah, the... like he didn't hear any of the struggle or fight going on. He was taking Nothing a dump. Down. You know, you know, you... He stays well in that chamber. Yeah, when you're in the privy, you know, you don't quite... Maybe he was listening to some music on his... He had his little iPod or something. <laughs> the toilet iPod? Yeah, he had his Tywin iPod. Who knows? <laughs> he was watching Game of Thrones on his iPhone. Yeah, he was seeing he was seeing what was gonna happen to him. He was he was fast forwarding it. When does this happen? Get me the Game of Thrones DVD series. Yeah, <laughs> Second space another space boss thing. But yeah. uh so uh he grabs he grabs the uh he grabs a knife or whatever. So he walks in there with the uh with the crossbow and uh Tywin's sitting there in the toilet taking a shit. And he's just calm, and when Tyr- Tyrion like, walks... Oh, well, well, who let you out? Yeah, hey, oh, Tyrion. Must have been your brother. No, yeah. Forget I even asked that. Of course it was your brother. Yeah, and, and Tyrion's like, listen, Daddy, I loved her. Love too. Shay. Shay? Tyrion, this is what's wrong with you, buddy. This is this is why you're... Yeah, she was just a whore, dude. Come on, Tyrion. Think about it. She's just a whore. It, again, this was like a this was a little bit of a Tony Soprano moment. She's just a whore, Tony. What what the fuck? Say it again, Dad. Say it again. She's just a dirty whore, Tony. And well, then he wants to go out into the bedroom. Let's talk about this. Yeah, just let's let go. Me get up off the toilet and approach you. Yeah, I don't. I don't four want four times your size. Listen, I'm. I'm a I'm an honorable man. You don't want to talk to me on the toilet. Do you really think I'd let you die? I never was my intention to let you die. You were gonna live this whole time. To, trust me. Right. He just starts selling the that slick tongue, that yeah. gold tongue of his. He starts singing the Saddam Hussein song from the South Park. I can change. I'm a change. I know I was an evil little bastard. He starts. I would let us to shit in gold now. I'm sure. And uh, Tywin, Tyrion basically says to him. Uh, call her whore one more time, and you're dead. I'm gonna shoot you. And and Tywin goes, okay, okay. You're not gonna shoot me. You're not gonna shoot my father. Are you gonna kill your daddy while I'm, he's on the privy? You're a Lannister. I would never kill. I would never hurt you. You were never gonna die. You're a Lannister. And uh, and then somehow I forget exactly how he says it, but he basically calls her a whore again. Or or no, because Tyrion says I killed he says, her. He says, let's go out. To the bedroom and talk about this let's go out to the chambers and we'll talk about this you'll understand trust me son don't worry about it let's go and he says i can't go out there why because she's out there who shay oh 
that's all right. Who cares? She's out there, but she's dead. And I, I can't, can't yeah, go out there. I, oh, you killed her. That doesn't matter. You what? Do you, it doesn't matter. Like she says, it doesn't <laughs> matter that she's dead. I think he, he says he's telling her that he loves her and that he killed her. But it doesn't matter that he's dead, that she's dead, that you killed her. None of that matters, son. And he's supremely offended by that. And he asks him, what do you mean it doesn't matter? And this is when he says it the second time. Yeah, he says, he says it doesn't matter if a dumb whore dies or something to that effect. Boom. Boom. And he, he, just, doesn't, he doesn't even hesitate. There's no, as soon as the word whore comes out of his mouth, he pulls the trigger and shoots him. But without even, with. I told you not to say it again. What the fuck is wrong with you? And then Tywin goes, you shot me? Like, he was so shocked about, you shot me? And then he goes, yep, and I'm going to do it again, and motherfucker. Calmly and coolly, just, he loads the bow again. He doesn't rush to do it. He takes his time. He grabs the thing. He cocks it back. He folds it. He puts the bolt in. And then he just calmly aims it again. As, as Tywin's like, what the fuck? Really? You shot me? You shot your dad while I was shitting? What? You, I know. Do you think T Tywin at any point in time thought that T Tyrion would actually do that? No, he never thought he had the balls to do it. And in spite of him being the actual hero of the Blackwater, Tywin never believes it, never believes the actions that he took that day. And when Varys says it in this trial, sadly, T Tyrion, I remember everything yep. he was saying just exactly that i remember you were the hero that you had the kingdom out you were out for the kingdom not for yourself not for anything but the kingdom and he remembers that and that's why he was there to save him to free him with jamie i think he knows he's a good guy and i really liked also the fact that Tyrion sort of uh called him out or that he said to Tyrion. then and i believe that he believes what he said he goes Tyrion goes, you always wanted me to die. You wanted me to die my whole life. And uh, Tywin goes, but you haven't. And you stayed alive. And some part of me respects that. And I, I, that was the one thing that Tywin said that I kind of believe him. I believe that he he respects the fact that Tyrion has this, like, ability to to get yes. out of dangerous situations. There's, I think it, there's more than just that. I think in all, as much as he hates his son... And he even says it as he's about to die. You're no son of, you're no Lannister. And Tyrion says, you know, yes, I am. I am a Lannister and shoots him with that second arrow. I think that in spite of everything, in spite of all the rumors that book readers have about, about anything, and in spite of it all, there's more respect than just that that Tyrion has for his dwarf son. He knows it's the smartest of his children. Yep. He's the smartest of his children. He knows that He's not got the biggest balls of, of all his children. Like, I, I really think that there's more than just that that he respects him for. He just, like his daughter, cannot get over the fact that he killed his mother and was a disappointment from birth as far as, like, what he looked like and and, and any other rumors or whatever. Absolutely. So after this point, after, the, after he kills him, he runs out. And he meets up with Varys, and Varys is like, "Well, Varys like is like, what, what the, did, yeah. knows immediately that something happened, yeah. something's wrong. What the hell's up? And what did you do? What did you do? And he uh, puts him in a little box on a cargo ship, and then you know, Varys looks at the here's the alarm. The same, the same box. Remember, he goes, he goes. Uh, remember when he showed Tyrion the creature that he had in the box, the captain with the the." The guy that mutilated him when he was a boy, the sorcerer, he had that dude. Like, he puts him in the exact same kind of box that, that uh, Tyrion saw him have another guy in, which I thought was kind of creepy, but... 
So he puts the dick in the box. I mean, he puts uh, puts Tyrion in the box, and Tyrion is in the box, and Varys looks around. He looks left. He looks right. Here's the alarm sounding, and he goes, "You know what? I should get the fuck out of here too." And yeah, yeah. And he, he looks. Yeah, he looks up, giving giving uh, King's Landing one last look. Yep. The red keep. Like it's just, and it's completely dark. There's no fires lit. There's no windows shining or nothing. And it's the, the, middle of the night. and he gets the hell out of here. And I actually thought this was going to be the last scene of the episode, but nope. We uh, end up getting to a waterfall. I did too. I thought it was definitely going to be the last scene too. But no, we actually get a very, we get two back-to-back positive things happening here at the end. As we uh, see a waterfall and we see Arya walking, uh, riding towards the water in the ships. And she goes to the wall uh, goes to the ship, asks to see the captain, and the captain says uh, she asks to be taken to the wall. She wants to be sailed north to the wall, and she's got money that she can pay. And he goes, I don't, I'm not interested in your money. We're heading home to the free city of Bravos. And well, no, he, Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he says we're heading to the free cities of Bravos. And she goes, okay, I'll go to Bravos. Can I get a room? Can I get a cabin? I won't even, I'll sleep on the ship. I don't care. And he goes, no, no, no. So she pulls out the coin that she got, and she gives him the coin and says, Vala Morgoris, or whatever it was. I'm sorry for that. Yeah, for my, considering how bad I mispronounce things, I think I did that pretty well. And uh, he says, of course, you have a cabin. And, uh, and she starts setting sail to Bravos as she walks to the front of the ship. And we have a little Aria Titanic moment where she's at the front of the ship, putting her arms out like, oh, Jack. You love me. <laughs> as she's sailing to the free cities of Bravos, as the music, the Game of Thrones. Don't theme. forget the response, the Vala Doheris response that the captain gives her. Uh, what's he say? Vala Doheris. Okay. Like, All men must die, and then, and then, uh, I forget the response. I don't know. What they mean. Like I always forget. Well, some will some will definitely correct us in the comment section later. But everybody, so that's how our episode end. We get the music coming up from underneath, and bam, there we go. That is our Game of Thrones season four. It is over. So let's get to some comments and questions of the people that are listening right now. I like to thank you guys all. So here we go. Let's read uh, some of the questions that we have. Um, oh gosh. Oh golly. 71. <laughs> Thank you guys. Holy shit. So, uh, oh, serious, dude? yes. So from, uh, Vulgarian Terror Corpse, Varys hears the bells signaling the death of the hand of the king. That's why he knew shit was about to go down and he bailed. Yeah. Yeah, of course. He took off right. Like he, he looked back. It looked like he was starting to walk back, not just to walk back and take one last look. It started like, it looked like he was about to go back to his quarters and then was like, nah, I'm out of here. Yeah, I'm done. So, sorry. I'm, 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 I'm getting the fuck out of Dodge City here. Let me uh, mute this for a second because I'm about to get some volume. Mute. There you go. There we go. I'm sorry. Give me one second to get to some more questions. But that is, that is true. Oh, here we go. There we go. Let me go up. Go up, 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 up. There we go. Sorry, guys. Uh Oh my gosh, I've been watching World Cup all day, and now the cherry on the cake, the best episode of the year, really was the best episode of the year, I think, all in all. The, and that's from Ren Renwood. <clears throat> I, think, I think I understand why they submitted this episode for the Oscar stuff, or for the Academy Awards, because it just, it was so perfectly put together from beginning to end. I know Joe didn't really like... For the Academy Awards? Or for the, uh, for the Emmys. 
Excuse me for the Emmys. Okay, I was gonna say you said Oscars and then Academy Awards. Yeah, so I think it's the same thing. And then yeah. I'm like, really? I thought that was just movies. Yeah, it should. I don't pay attention to any of those kind of awards. So. I don't. I don't either. So much. I mean, I watch the award shows. Maybe we'll do some live stream. Politics. It's all politics, man. Uh, M- Machine says disappointed in one key omission um, in Stan in the Stannis save. I feel should have ended last week's episode or near the end of this one. I hear you. Like I think. Yeah, it was- give us a long episode last week. Both weeks. Uh, was Ygritte uh, Mansi... How's the... What's the correct pronunciation of Ygritte? Ygritte's fine. Ygritte, okay. From Jake uh, Bainbridge. Was Ygritte's Mansi's daughter? No. No. Not as far as I know. No, she was nobody's daughter. That Nobody that we know of. Not the redhead rattle shirt or Mance. Anyone. From uh, DFan004... So no lady something. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, anyone else think that there's a... <laughs> someone asked a question? Why no lady st- uh, stone something? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I don't... Um, right. No, that's a spoiler. That's a spoiler. Um, that's a character I think maybe introduced later on if they introduced it at all. But but no. So no. Anyone else think uh, they show way too much on when they do the previously on Game of Thrones at the beginning of every episode? Yes, I absolutely think they do that. And I think they're very convenient. I think all shows do that. And I think all right. shows show too much in previews than they compared to, to what they used to do in situations like that. Well, so I mean, a game like uh, a show like Game of Thrones, you, you don't really have to have too many previews for to begin with. People are just so excited to have it. Yep. You could just be like, Game of Thrones, wait for it, bitches. Quiborn <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, is his name, or Qborn, or something like that. Cleghorn, Foghorn, Cleghorn. Is the name yeah. of, is the name of the, uh, that other Meister. I, I hate the incest, incest sex scenes. It's super creepy. I, oh, I, that's, come on. It's love, all right? It's love. <laughs> Let them be. They're adults. They can make their own decisions. Forget about your laws of society and, and the in the laws that bind you. Puritanical. <sighs> your puritanical ideas. views. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the per- uh, the last couple of comments were from uh, Lance Eagle One and Vulgarian Corpse and Steve eighty two oh oh nine. Thank you. I hate incest scenes. They're super creepy. Um, the biggest moment of the season they left out. So disappointing. Not sure what you're talking about, but uh, you can. Put in the comment section. We'll figure that out. Tywin was well aware of the rumors. He mentioned it to Marjorie's grandmother. Yes, Tywin what? I think Tywin plays dummy the dunce to his advantage. I think I think that that okay, the not sure what he's talking about, I think is the same spoiler that the other guy was talking about. Okay, okay. Of of not having a character introduced that they right. hope to be introduced. Okay, so no, uh, no, Elena brought it up and Tywin said he wouldn't breathe life into a rumor talking about it. So that was handled in the comment or some shit like that. He was in complete denial, says uh, Steve82009. Angus Tin, first live review I'm watching. Hi, guys. Thank you, Angus Tin, for tuning in live. We appreciate everyone coming in live. I'm going to try uh, Steve8209 says, yes, yeah, this is my first live review too. Usually I wait till the day after because I have to wake up early, but this works. It's good to hear people's thoughts. Yeah, it makes it more fun listening to it with uh, being able to share it with a bunch of people. Do you guys think that Drogon could possibly be the dragon shadow that Bran saw in his vision earlier in the season? That's that, That's very interesting. Maybe he'll make an appearance in Westeros just to scare the shit out of a bunch of people in King's Landing. That would be fantastic. Uh, I haven't I, I haven't seen 
that'd be that'd be nice. Yep. Um, we have a couple people that said that they've read the read the books and won't spoil things with that. So, wow, just finished the episode. What a great finale! Says Akon D. Thank you. I agree. It was an awesome finale. I think one of the best, definitely the best season finale that they've had ever on yeah, Game of Thrones. One of the better episodes too. There was a lot of good action in this episode. Like you said, great fight scene. You know, uh, good stuff. Great emotions, emotional scenes with Daenerys and with Arya. Ren Renwood says, talking about Bran and leaving off the person from the books, has there been the most detrimental to the plot of any character in the show? Talking about Bran, yes. Yes, yes I know what you're talking about, and we will talk about that in a book club, but yes, the answer to that question. Yes, that, the, that character yeah. that they leave out was really great was great that's like, that's the big reading about him that's that's the biggest that's the biggest omission from the show but more than uh more than the guy that they skipped out with danny more than a couple other characters that they left out leaving that character out uh and someone someone said black hands they think the character's name was cold hands i don't think that's spoiling much the character's name was cold hands right i would have i would have much rather had the scenes with him and maybe Maybe even if you wanted to have some sort of action with Bran to keep that kind of level of excitement going, had Cold Hands or Dead Hands or whatever the hell his name was. It was Cold Hands. Cold uh, hands. Take care of all those skeletal zombies outside of the cave. It, and it, still had what's-his-name die like he did with uh, with the skeleton. But Akon D says, so Bran versus the Mountain eventually, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully we will see that fight. That that would be the, uh, if we're dealing with a King of the Ring tournament type situation, now we get to see Bran. Bran's winning because... If you remember, sort of Loras kind of uh, messed with the messed with the mountain and kind of bested him a little bit, and the hound kind of came to Sir Loras's uh, defense. She defeats Sir Loras. Now she's defeated the hound. So you're right with the king king of the mountain scenario. Brianna's like on top of this. She is by default. She's beat all the people that have. She's the mountain's gone, taken out by a combination of Loras and. <laughs> And the Hound way back in season one, and she took out Loras, and she's taken out the Hound. I would love to see her and Oberon, o- Oberon, sorry, not Ober, Oberon. Oberon Kenobi here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Oberon and her going at it would be my favorite fight to see. Dear Hunter says, my girl Arya was awesome tonight. Yes, she was. I thought the Hound and Brienne would have been a great dynamic duo. Um team up four is better than two but i can see how the story goes in a different direction i agree with that uh ned stark would have kicked jamie's ass says akon d so he's on your yeah, side absolutely akon i agree there was no way jamie was winning that fight cocky little bitch that he is nope uh akon d says Arya should have looked back when the hound was yelling kill me kill me and said it said i said i am and kept walking yeah that would have, that would have been the ultimate like cool like cool cool uh action one-liner uh, where have I seen that happen before? Uh, Ned Stark would have kicked Jamie's ass. Yep, season four. Ass. Yep, season four. Jamie. Yeah, thank you, dear Hunter. Yeah, I see <laughs> exactly. Ned Stark would have kicked Jamie's ass. Yep, season four. Jamie. I had to say the right inflection on that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Jamie is the worst. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. There's no <laughs> season four. Jamie. Season three. Jamie. No, season, season four. Jamie. Jamie only has one hand. Uh, well, right. That's why he's saying only season four. Jamie. But yeah, that season one Jamie would have killed Ned Stark. Wrong. Whatever. We'll we'll get into this different. Uh, th- that's a different different show. Uh, Mitz Janie, I'm sorry, I completely ruined your name. Uh, Robert Baratheon, the drunk fat bastard that he was, would have kicked Jamie's ass. Okay. Jamie's, Jamie's the, only ever killed kings from behind. He, Remember he, that. 
Here is a uh, another anti-Jamie. Jamie is the worst commander ever, says Mitz Janie. He uh, lost his sword hand. The king, his son, his nephew's dead. And the hand of the king's dead. Jamie sucks. <laughs> Agreed. Absolutely. Uh, who who said that? Because they're right. They deserve to. We deserve to know. Mitz Janie is his name. I'm mispronouncing it. You Mitzi Jamie or something like that. Um, Angus Tin says two-handed Jamie would have kicked Ned's ass. He was one of the top five best fighters in the realm. Ned was a good lord and a great war commander, but a normal fighter, not one of the best. No, no. I, Let's I not disagree. get too caught up. Let's, we, we, we can debate this all we want. Uh, the scene I wished more of was Brandon the Old Man. So awesome. Haven't read the books, but I think I'm just going to spoil myself and start reading the books. Um, so someone someone definitely liked that scene that hadn't read it in the books. Someone said recommended rate reading. Three-Eyed Crow is awesome and mysterious in the books. This is all Aiken, uh, Angus Tin. He's also actually very known a known person in Westeros. Um, also wanted to see more of the dragons, especially the black one, says Keevan Man 360. Uh, when Daenerys locked the other two up, I was so sad. I agree. That was that was so sad. That was ridiculous. Very, very sad. It was very sad in the books, too. Um, Mitz Janie says... Okay, let me ask you this. Who were you more sad for? Daenerys and the dra dragons? Or were you more sad for the poor bastard with his bones of his child laid out in front of him, charred to a crisp that he hauled across the... The, the desert to bring to this woman. Look what your dragon did. Uh, to he's my just a, son. him and his kid is. I I am I care about animals more than I care about people, so I'm sad for the dragons. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> no, and he's a red. Hey, the reason I don't have kids is so they don't get burned alive by flying dragons. That, that, that's a, that's a good point. That's a good point. Think here. You 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 definitely have a point there. And with Daenerys and stuff, like I think also there's a little bit of main character disorder there that we feel worse for Daenerys because we know her more than we know this guy that lost his kid that we don't really know. Right. Also, really wanted to see more. Of the, oh, we said that. Um, didn't like, I feel like she felt worse for her dragons than she did for this kid? Oh, definitely. But she knew that it was the right thing to do, and she had to do it. She, she had to do it. Uh, Mitch Janie also says, "Didn't Ned fight and win members of the uh, defeat members of the King's Guard to save his sister Liana? Yes, yes, he did. Yes, but there was like there was a few of them there. I think uh, the black one, Drogon, is awesome. You'll love you'll love when he uh, returns. I'm not going to get too into that, but." whatever um ned and his six friends fought three Kent king's guard at the end everyone was dead except for one friend and ned and ned was seriously hurt was hoping late uh blah 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 mitz janie yes he did there was seven three okay and the guy that they fought that severely hurt ned and killed ned's friends there all but one of them who was uh the father of the two children that accompanied bran jojen and and uh the other read there it was their father that was with ned in dorne when they went to go back to go get Ned's sister and everybody died but that guy and Ned and they brought and they they went they went back now th this is something we failed to mention uh, that Ren Redwood brings up uh you kill Shay and then you say you're sorry I, I I agree with that I think I think that's supposed to be a moment of Tyrion as much as Tyrion can do the right thing he's not really a killer so he's it wasn't that it wasn't all just that he's sorry that he killed her he was sorry I think from the very beginning, from I think that sorry was I'm sorry I had Braun come and drag you out of that other dude's tent. I'm sorry I dragged you to King's Landing with me. I'm sorry I white fanged you. I'm sorry that I forced <laughs> you to do the things that you had to do. You know, I think that's what it was. It wasn't necessarily I'm sorry I killed you, which was part of it, but I think it was more 
I'm sorry I, I put you in this position to begin with. Sorry I dragged you into the Lannister fucking mess that <laughs> the Lannisters are. The, the rock of bullshit that is Lannisport. I also think a little bit of it, <laughs> I think a, a little bit of it was as well that I think that was the first, I'm pretty sure that was the first person Tyrion's really killed other than like a random dude in the in the Blackwater situation. I think... Yeah, I know he, uh, he's killed, I, I believe he killed during the during the Battle of Blackwater. But other than that, I think this is the first time he ever murdered anyone. Right. So so he's really, there's also a little bit of that that he's probably... He murdered two people within the span of like 10 minutes. And it's debatable again. It's debatable because she grabs the knife and lunges to attack him first. So, so what ends up being our biggest thing from the night, uh, Akon D also wants to add, Jamie had more of a more tr- tournament training in dueling style fighting rather than Ned. Uh, Ned was in a war, so Ned would have no, won. But it's more that Ned was more than just in a war. If you remember, he was agreeing with you. He said it. He said at the end of that, Ned was in war. Ned would have won. No, but it's more than just that. Ned also trained. He spent his childhood in the Vale with Robert Baratheon, being trained by John of Aaron, John Aaron uh, of the Vale, and that's how they knew. Like they grew up being trained by John Aaron. But, but for whatever so it was, it's worth, Aiden Hodge also says Akon D into Joe. Jamie also had war training. He defeated the Smiling Knight before he ever became a knight. So Jamie also has proven that that even before training, becoming a knight, he had some. Interesting process. I think the, the the fairest thing to say about all this is this is what makes part of what makes Game of Thrones so fucking awesome. The fact that we're still talking and people still debate this moment from season one that George R. R. Martin fucked us all. He trolled us all here by never giving us the answer to this question the way he ends so that, that question fight. right by having that 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 spearman step up and drive it through his leg. Yeah, he, he 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 totally screwed us all over and made it so we all <laughs> wouldn't actually have an answer. He trolled us all. So uh, so those are basically all of our questions. We have a couple other question I wanted to touch from last week. Um, someone wanted to know know if we thought if we had any curiosity where Jorah was going afterwards. Do we think he'd go to the wall, go with serve with Stannis? The only thing I can say about that was I'd assume that someone like Jorah, because of his feelings for Daenerys, doesn't want to go too far away from where Daenerys is. And yeah, I also think that if he he knows who Stannis is, and this is someone who ran away rather than serving his sentence as a slave trader and then uh didn't follow the orders of his brother to kill Daenerys in the first place who's going to challenge him for his throne you know it put Stannis isn't really gonna isn't bound to forgive Jorah that easily yeah and without torturing him and and Jorah's always seemed to be pretty self-serving when it comes down to it he got into the slave trade to keep a woman he betrayed Robert Baratheon to win a woman or to win a girl he lied to that girl to continue to try to win her he's like for everybody who's pretty sad about what's up with jorah he's a he's a slimy little bastard yeah he's one he's one of those type of guys that like has that like pretends to be a good guy but really has so many skeletons in his closet like he's done some pretty horrible shit like he he's he's trying his hardest to be as good to be the good that he sees in daenerys because he does love her, but ultimately, this is only to win her, to be with her, and not necessarily because that's who he is. Because when he had this feeling for another woman, 
what he did to keep her was to sell people into slavery. Yeah, he he, so, like, he tends Thor is, is very much a, a, a chameleon. He's ready to change his skin to suit whatever his need is to whatever woman he wants at the moment. Yeah, he's one of those guys that doesn't have a personality of his own. He just becomes right, the and woman. that wasn't even his first wife that this that he was slave trading for. That was his second wife, and I think he left his first wife for her. Now I don't know. Someone's going to correct me on that, and I'm not sure of the circumstances. <laughs> you know, but. I know that it was his it was his second wife, and then Daenerys would be his third woman that he's he's been someone completely different for. So I'm standing by my Jory, you're a slimy fuck. Glad you got kicked out of Marine. Well, thank you very much to uh, Juliana Gomez for that question. And everybody, this is I think we should wrap it up here. And it's been a really awesome year talking about Game of Thrones. We're gonna definitely stretch this out and have and have over the next couple weeks and months over the summer have a lot more Game of Thrones discussions and keep it going through the off season and do lots more shows as we're coming up in September and uh, the new the new the new. TV year starts. But before we go, we need to say a couple of big thank yous to some of the people. And if I don't mention your name right now or don't say something, uh, it isn't because I f- don't I don't appreciate you. It just means that there's only I can only mention I copied a bunch of names of people that have been really awesome in helping to build the community and talk about the episodes. Uh, Daniel, just, uh, take your time to say them. Don't try to say them like you do the Fifty States. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Daniel Bruley, John McD. Vanessa, Ren Renwood, Mason Adams is a shout out for you. Benjamin Vargas, uh, it's huge. Michelle for real. Uh, Black Commerce, Chris Hatton, Brendan Davis, Steve Fiven, Steve the Dude, Bobby W223, Anastasia, PlayStation Zone, Justin Street, Dooku Heroes Video, Herman Munster, Anime Wilson, uh, Natsatsu721, Jeffrey Trotter. Lawless, one of our first listeners way back when with the Breaking Bad stuff. Uh, Lawless, thank you for all your support. Lucius Fox, uh, Michelle L, Sam Sheath, Sweet Lady Tiger, uh, Marcella Pompey, Rachel Wagner, the scientist, uh, scientist with an X at the end. Uh, this, this sir, I can life or whatever it is. I, I'm sorry, that horrible mispronunciation. John Smith, uh, I could go on. Ren Renwood, as I mentioned before. Michelle Byfield. I'm clueless. Ren Renwood, by the way, amazing. Your comment more than anybody. You win the, our extra big hug award. Um, Elon Teku. Carol Lee McDonald. Darth Sandwich. <laughs> Mariah Sinclair. Audrey <laughs> James. Uh, Ferris Famey. Ted Mosby. Mosby from, uh, from How I Met Your Mother stuff. But guys, I, I could go on. There, I have like four more pages of people's names I could say. If I didn't, for, if I forgot you, I'm really sorry. Or if I didn't mention your name, it really just means I don't care about you. No, I'm kidding. It doesn't mean that. It no, means... Absolutely. Thank everybody so much. Thank everybody so much. It's been a really awesome year to talk about Game of Thrones. And we can't wait to come back next year and talk about more Game of Thrones and uh, maybe get some of the old seasons done and do a couple of episodes here and there and get, get a little bit of more open-ended discussion so keep an eye out for this page and please check out issuesprogram.com comment away send me an email at i get issuesman at gmail.com you can also leave voicemails and text at 781-990-8509 you can follow joe at at dirty locks and you can follow me at i got issues man and uh and send us messages follow us on facebook at the issues program all that stuff get all that crap out of the way join us on itunes on uh on Stitcher, wherever your podcasting thing, if you want to listen to stuff. 
So we're going to be all over the place again. One last time. Thank you everybody for all the, all the comments, all the likes, all the dislikes, all the corrections, all everything. It, 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 I said this a lot, but I can't say it enough. It makes it all more fun watching all these episodes to watch it with all of you guys. So thank you very much. And we will talk to you guys soon. And for all of you Walking Dead fans out there, there's going to be a lot of footage coming up on the website coming out soon. Uh, extra footage from the Walker Stalker Con. And look for more episodes from The Walking Dead this September. Yeah, absolutely. I'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good night.